Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast. I'm your host, Corey. Thanks for joining us this evening. This is the uh, Texas Tech preview show. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into that, we'll be joined here by uh, Jarrett Johnson here shortly. But before we get into that, we've got a few news and notes we need to get to. Uh, how's everybody doing tonight? Doing great. Great. We got uh, in the room here, in case, you know, in case you're new to us or whatever, we got Kendall here to the right of me. Hello. We got Jock Strap across the table from me. Hi. And we got Colin here to the left of me. Hello. Uh, that's the guys. That's usually the guys on the show. So again, if you're new for for joining us for the Texas Tech show, we appreciate that. Uh, also, we would appreciate if you would go rate us. However, you listen to our podcast, whatever format that is. Some people have asked me on Twitter. I honestly don't know. It's I primarily to, iTunes. I listen to everything on iTunes. If you don't have iTunes, I'm sorry. Uh, maybe Google it or find. I I really wish I. I guess we need to find that out. I don't know how you do it other than that. Just say rate us on iTunes. Review us everywhere else. Leave comments, post, share, do whatever you want to do. Just help help us get it out there. And like we were saying last episode, if you have criticism, you know, leave it. We'll, we'll take mm-hmm. negative criticism. We'll take positive criticism. Whatever you whatever you want to do. We we're here to make the show a better better thing. Yep, we're fans just like you. So we need to know what's on y'all's mind. Uh, you know, we may not necessarily use it, but we will definitely read it and listen to it and take it into consideration. All right, this week, um, not a ton of Big 12 news and notes. We'll get to a few things, but first and foremost, our poll question. Uh, we have another one still active and going right now. It's the finals of the defensive one. Uh, but first and foremost, we had the offensive question we submitted to you guys on Twitter. And if you don't follow us on Twitter and you listen to the show, you should. Uh, we do a lot of things on Twitter. Uh, we ca- we came up with a contest to give away our, our new shirts, which will be here next week. Uh, the, the T-shirt manufacturer is finishing them up right now. Uh, we decided to give away a shirt to one lucky one lucky person. Uh, the the question was, who is the baddest dude in the Big Twelve? Okay, off uh, on the offensive side of, of the uh, uh, equation because we also did a defensive poll. Uh, we submitted something like twelve, fifteen names. Uh, I kind of went and just looked at some of the top offensive vote getters and stats and stuff in the league last few years uh, that are back and returning and posted those guys. Y'all took the, we took the top four that y'all narrowed down again. We did. The top four vote getters, I believe it was, it was a four. Yeah, it was four. Top four vote getters uh, of that group. Uh, I posted them, and you guys, you know, battled it off again. And the winner was Justice Hill from Oklahoma State, the running back. Uh, <laughs> uh, understandably, we realized some of you didn't like that, and we see your messages, and we appreciate that. <laughs> Just know that we didn't. I mean, uh, go listen if you want to know where we stand. If you're curious, because some of you seem to think we voted that. Um, go and listen to our preseason, or some of our, it's our prediction show. We, now we have other things we still haven't got done as far as, uh, you know, who's going to win certain leagues and playoffs and all that. But we, we went ahead and, and picked our, our guys at the best, the best player at each position, uh, who we thought that would be, you know, for the pre, like our preseason big 12 team, basically go listen to that. If you want to know where we stand on some of that stuff. And I think you'll be surprised, especially some of you who keep, you know, tweeting me about David Montgomery. Uh, so anyway. Uh, real quickly, Jockstrap here, he's gone through. Now, part of the uh, thing was you guys had to retweet or, or, or like one of the poll questions that we submitted. Uh, and then we would go through and pick one of the, one lucky person out. Jockstrap, Jockstrap rolled through Twitter and randomly picked somebody uh, that liked to retweet the question. And Jockstrap, real quickly, who won the, the T-shirt? It was Carson Grant at M-A-I-N-K-A underscore Grant. 
There you go. Uh, an Oklahoma State fan, I believe? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, Oklahoma State fan. So, um, there you go, Carson. Um, if you hear this before we get a hold of you or find you, you know, get in contact with us, DM us. I'm sure we'll get a hold of you first, but this is the first that we've announced that, who the winner was. So, uh, we'll get a hold of you, get your contact information, get your size and everything. Or, again, those T-shirts will be in this coming week, so we'll get those out to you as soon as they arrive. We also have a couple others we have to hand out from past contests. So we'll do that. Um, uh, you guys' thoughts on the tour? Did anything shock you on that on those polls that we submitted as far as the Final Four? Or, I thought the Final Four was pretty much a given. I, I thought that was pretty standard. 7,000 votes on the offensive. Line. Just on the Final Four vote? Yeah. Okay. I don't know, man. I, I think maybe how far away that uh, Rodney Anderson and Justice Hill pulled away from David Montgomery. I, mean, I, th- I, I thought it would be that. a little bit closer. It, it kind mm-hmm. of surprised me how many Oklahoma State fans obviously voted. And obviously you had some crossovers from other fan base, uh, yeah, bases voting for that. Yeah, you had to. Because, uh, <clears throat> again, um, well, like, for instance, the West Virginia fans complained about uh, Will Greer. Look, West Virginia is probably our third largest fan base of followers we have. So, I, I mean, between you guys retweeting it all because you guys did because I saw it. Um, and how many we already had to begin with and how many of your friends had to see it. I'm sorry, West Virginia fans. I, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't, I can't come up with any other explanation than other people outside of Oklahoma state voted for justice Hill and probably to some degree riding Anderson too. Well, you know, you saw it in the comments too. One of the, one of the sooner fans actually said justice Hill, which kind of surprised mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I saw that. I did. Yeah. Um, so, um, and again, you know, justice Hill, the, the one thing I think hurt riding Anderson is he did it for half a season. Now, granted, that was kind of out of his control. One, he was coming off of a serious injury again, uh, and they were kind of, you know, slowly giving him the ball in Ohio State and stuff, and it took him half a year to kind of, I think, fully get his bearings under him and take off. But, again, what he did in that half a season was pretty incredible. Uh, He still ended up being one of the league's top offensive guys in only half a season. So, uh, I think that somewhat hurt him, whereas you have Justice Hill, who's done it solid for, what, two years now, Mm -hmm. going on three. So, uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. Not to take anything away from Justice Hill and say he doesn't deserve it because he does, but I think that kind of helped him too. Uh, so uh, I think I, that's part of it. I'll say the biggest surprise to me is on the defense of one of them. I'm not going to mention who it is, but just the ease that some of the players got through the first round yeah. is, was insane to me. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> and, and I thought, you know, some of those boxes were mixed up pretty well. And again, we don't go by box. We go by total. What we do is each box will say how many people voted. And I'll go to figure percentage. It'll say like 13% of the votes went to so-and-so. Well, I'll take that 13% times the votes and come up with a, a number of votes, or 0.13 in the case of 13, you know, come up with a number of votes. Uh, and whoever actually receives the most actual votes out of all the boxes, not just their individual boxes, how we move them on. So uh, like in the case of defense, I think we had three of the, of the five came from one box because that box received like 8,000 votes. So, you know, that, that you know that's just part of it. Um, all right. Uh, I think that's it on the, the poll question. Anything else we need to get to on the polls before no. we move on? Okay. Uh, next in line, thing I want to talk about a little bit. I posted this poll question to the public, and I'm stupid because I completely forgot to pull up and see what the result was. I went, Last time I checked it, it was definitely in favor. Uh, just real quickly, the Jalen Hurts situation uh, going on in Alabama, I, I think it was a little surprising to all of us, I think, in terms of – Alabama feels a lot like the Patriots in so many ways. And one of those is it feels like this military type, uh, you know, not franchise, but program that, you know, a lot of things don't come out of. Everybody kind of uh, toes the company line, says what they're supposed to say, you know, all that doesn't go against the coach or anything like that. You don't hardly ever see hear players speak out. 
Um, just, you know, you guys' thoughts real quick around the table on this situation and what's going on there with his with his thoughts on that or, you know, with him speaking out against kind of what happened with the quarterback situation there. We'll get into what happened in a little bit. But, uh, you know, your thoughts on that, obviously with him graduating this season or he plans to graduate this season, do you guys think he'll be on the market after this season? It wouldn't shock me at all if he didn't look to transfer because you could you could definitely tell there was some discontent there in his interview after after that. I think the most surprising thing to me that he said was the fact that the coaches hadn't really approached him to see how he felt about the whole situation. They were just kind of trying to let the situation deal with itself. So I don't know. You can't do that and stuff like, and especially nowadays, you can't do that with these kids. No, especially with a program like Alabama that's such a you know prominent national program that's just going to be in the media all the time. You had to know that. Eventually, somebody was going to have have to ask him that. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the old days, I say the old days, like when we were college age, for instance, and then before that, um, you know, players. I don't want to say in a sense knew their role because I feel like that's a little harsh. But uh, you know, they it was just run of the mill. It was you know, if the guy beat you out, you just went on and put your head down and went about your way. Now you can't do that. These kids are stars. They're in the media constantly. And then in a program like Alabama, you constantly have people knocking down the door trying to get opinions and questions and all kinds of stuff. So that that happens. You can't let this stuff fester. Kendall, right. you, th- you think he'll be back next year or you think he's gone? Uh, it's a good question. I, I, I think it's one of those things where we have to kind of see how it plays out this year. What I find really interesting about this situation is, is, is one, this isn't just like a, the the backup you know, wide receiver who mm-hmm. thinks he's not getting playing time. I mean, the kid's – Started two seasons, he's 24-2 and two as a starter. Started two national title games. Yeah, so I Didn't mean, finish one of them, but started two national title games. Yeah, so he's led, he's led his team to two, you know, to two national uh, title mm-hmm. games. And, and you know, and he's, he's the quarterback. He's the starting quarterback for two years. And so you have that that dynamic. And you also have this other dynamic of this is the first person I can think of in all Nick Saban's coaching other than the NFL, as far as college-wise, that has – publicly came out and said something against him while he's still in the program. To cause kind of shockwaves. Yeah, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, normally that doesn't happen mm-hmm. in a place like, you know, and if it is, it's from somebody who's not really playing. He's just like, get on down the road. So this, this is a totally, you know, unique situation, but you know, as far as will he be back the next year? I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I, I think it just kind of depends on what kind of happens this season. Really. Do you guys think he will play and just put your, your coaching hat on here and guess, cause we don't have any idea, but, do you see Nick say you know Nick Saban to me always feels like I and the program are bigger than any one player, but considering that Alabama, like Colin said last week, they finally have some playmakers at quarterback, and Jalen needs even one too. I mean, don't don't get it twisted. Jalen's a better playmaker than a lot of guys they've had at quarterback in recent years, but Tua is a whole other level. It seems like to that. Um, do you guys feel like the angst of maybe all you know again they could recruit somebody, so it may not matter, but. Uh, the angst of losing, possibly losing a Hurts, do you kind of see Saban playing them both to some degree this year in, in anticipation of trying to keep him there? Well, well, one thing I would say about this thing, too, is also uh, pump your brakes a little bit. I mean, we, we've only seen really one half football out of this, you know. Uh, to oh, it. So, definitely, so, definitely. You know, I mean, Most definitely. We've, we've had, uh, you know, for example, uh, Trevor Knight, Oklahoma, he had that big game against Alabama, and then all of a sudden he was going to light everything up, and it didn't exactly work out that way. So, I, 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 you know, it's one of those things to where I, I really don't know. I mean, I don't, I haven't seen enough of the other kid to say, I mean, don't get me wrong, he played a hell of a football game in that second half of the football game, you know, against Georgia. I, I give him all the credit in the world, but we haven't really seen him in the trenches that much. So I, I really don't know how to really, you know, 
look at this thing long term. I really don't know. Well, don't you feel like that in a national championship game that that was just the ultimate gamble on Simmons' oh, part? God, I mean, yes. yeah, Georgia obviously didn't not, prepare for him at all. They no. didn't prep for any type of vertical passing would've? game out of Bama. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying. Exactly. So some of some of the success that Tua had in that game had to be the fact that Georgia just wasn't expecting anything I, like that. I think to some degree, and I hate to bring this up because I know it's going to feel like a homer thing, but honest to God, it was the same feeling. It was a lot like Trevor Knight in that Sugar Bowl, and you could tell Alabama just had not prepared for that. Mm-hmm. They had not prepared for that offense from a, an offense that hadn't shown that. And then he goes out and looks like freaking Joe Montana. Yeah. Uh, and we know how the rest of his career turned out. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, you know, that it kind of felt the same way. It was just the, the perfect moment. Here's the thing. I don't know if there's a single other – and I and this goes for Dabo Swinney – Everyone, I don't know. There's another coach in the country that would have the Naz to do that. No, I really don't know. That's like that took so that was impressive. Yeah, to, to say okay. Now again, to some degree, you're backed into a corner, but at the same time, with his career, you're not. He's got national titles on the mantle. It ain't like it's his first trip there. If he lost it, a whole not a whole lot's going to change in his world perception wise uh, of what he is. You know, I mean, again, this national title kind of solidified what a lot of people thought they knew already, but. I, you know, it, it wasn't, oh, my God, we may not, this is a program that may not be back here for 30 years. We have to try to win this game. You know, it wasn't that situation for them. So, I, I, you know, I, I think it took a lot for him to do that. Um, the question I asked, the poll question real quick, uh, Jalen Hurts could be, I said, Jalen Hurts could be on the market next spring. We don't know much yet, but he's rather unhappy with the quarterback situation at Alabama. He plans to graduate this year and is a Texas kid. So, for those of you who don't know, he is from Texas. Would you like your team to pursue him, and or does he improve your quarterback situation? I asked that poll question. It looks like the majority, 40%, said wouldn't turn it down. I kind of gave him that option because I figured some would be undecided on him. Um, the next was 32% with ain't no way people, and I, I kind of think those people are a little silly and kind of maybe need to, to consider this. Uh, and then yes, please was the yes, we would like to have him is 28%, the lowest one. So, Rick, look at you guys. Um, is there a team in the Big 12 he doesn't improve their quarterback room? Well, he'd improve the quarterback yeah, exactly. room most. He would, I, I think everybody – but, again, that's the game on bringing him in. You don't know if he's going to – now, again, he's going to go somewhere he thinks he can play. But there may be one quarterback situation we know of right now for sure that he doesn't improve at starter. And, again, nothing against Kyler Murray's and the, and the Robinsons and those guys. But as far as we know right now, beyond a shadow of a doubt – and, again – some people, I think, aren't taking into the concept of he's gonna. I I think he would be a better player in the Big Twelve as quarterback. Personally, I think you got a, you got a better offenses. You have better offensive minds, more creative minds. I think they would use him better. So, and much like the way an Oklahoma is trying to use J- Kyler Murray, you know, he doesn't have that kind of speed, but he's a great runner. He's a more physical runner, and I'm telling you, the kid can pass the ball. People don't give him enough credit, but he can throw the ball. So, I don't know. There may be one. In terms of gear, just because of what he's shown you as a passer, where he doesn't, you know, necessarily make you better. But I feel like he brings, he makes every team I feel like in the Big Twelve better if he's in that quarterback room. And just in my opinion, well, especially this season when like ha- over half the Big Twelve is breaking in new quarterbacks. And the one that comes to mind more than anything probably right now is Texas, uh, with an unproven quarterback room. Now I know they they would probably get kind of snappy at me, but again, I you know I well, I, I would take I would take Jalen Hurts right now over anything they've got. He'd be about the same as a, an Ellinger, but a more more seasoned. Proven, uh, yeah. yeah, I think he's got. And I, I'll be honest, I think he's he's. I think he probably would end up being a better passer. We don't know. It's hard to say because again, in Alabama, they don't do that enough for us to know. But I think in those offenses situations, I don't. know. We'll see. And you're taking the terms. He's a definitely. But now he's not a bad runner. But Hurts, in my opinion, is a better runner. 
he's a better athlete. So, you know, Ellinger can run. We know that. But in right. my opinion, it hurts a little better runner. So, I don't know. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Something to keep your eye on. Being that he's a Texas kid, don't be shocked if you see him playing at a Big 12 school next year. Uh, real quickly, moving on. Next on the topic, Greg McElroy, who I think the Big 12 fans are slowly learning to hate. Um, I never was a fan of the guy anyway. Couldn't stand him at Alabama. But um, now that he has an opinion and a microphone in front of him, it's kind of like, uh, was it Ocho or whatever that's with with the uh, from Texas? That's with Longhorn the, Network. Yeah. And, and dude, he's just – and, again, nothing, and that has nothing to do with him being a Texas fan. He just says the dumbest things. Uh, McElroy's kind of right there with him. Well, he's no Joey Galloway. Yeah, now Gall- we'll get to Galloway in a minute. We're not. Yeah, we'll get to Galloway in a minute. Galloway routinely says some dumb things. I don't know if you guys saw that tweet yeah, I said today from the show, but <clears throat> excuse me, I'm still trying to get over a cold here. I apologize, guys. Yeah, I know a cold in August is crazy. I don't know how I got it, but I got it. Um, so real quickly, McElroy said uh, that Oklahoma, and this is a quote, is the most overrated team in the top 25 in the country this year. That's all I'll say. Your thoughts. I don't know, man. Do you want me to go more into that? No, I mean not. What he said, because he had a, he had a quote after that the next day. Yeah, I, I read it. I, I mean, he he based it on the defense, right? Well, he no, based it, it on the fact that Baker Mayfield's gone. Yeah, and I, and I can see some of that. I I don't know when when I'm looking at the poll, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Washington's six, right? Mm-hmm. What has Washington ever done? <laughs> to, to me, that one stands out as probably the most overrated in the top ten, just on, on that. At some point, though, you have to give a school like Oklahoma credit. And, exactly. And, That's and what I was going to say. They're starting off there. I mean, by by no means does this mean they're going to finish there. But, you know, they're definitely a top 15 team for sure. Oklahoma has done enough in recent years to earn the trust of people. Yeah. Even at a change at quarterback. Uh, I know people won't remember this, but uh, there was a time until Baker Mayfield stepped on camp, or even when he was on campus, where – People didn't think it was going to amount to anything, and it did. Not saying this kid will, but there are times where, you know, they've, uh, with the exception of Trevor Knight and that that couple-year period there, you've had to somewhat build faith in the Oklahoma offense and having a quarterback. I mean, they've kind of always done it, other than a scramble year where an idiot got drunk and, and also got in trouble with, you know, selling used cars or whatever. Uh, you know, and you had Paul Thompson playing and all that. Uh, with the exception of that and the Trevor Knight, for the most part, they've been pretty good at quarterback the last 20 years. So it's kind of like running back. You kind of have to give them – and, again, they've recruited better than, than – we know for a fact they've recruited better. They have more talent. So, all I'm getting at the, – the, and not even the Oklahoma side of this. It's just like, can you not think of any other team? I mean, really, there's other teams out there you could pick on and have some, some legs to stand on, even if you think Oklahoma aside. Right. I, I, when I look at it, I, I feel like maybe Oklahoma is ranked too high just because I don't think – and that's fair. I don't think I mean, that's necessarily yeah, wrong. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying I would take him out of the top 25 or anything like that, anything crazy. I'm just saying I'm not sure the number five, but um, you know, because I think Baker Mayfield, people don't realize how great he really was. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think it's really, it, it's a thing. You know, I don't know if he's put someone in and able to do the same things. It's just impossible. So th- you know, with that being said, uh, do I think they're the most overrated in the top 25? No, but would I maybe slid them down maybe three spots or something? Probably yes, but they're still a top ten team in my opinion, easily. The point I've made to answer your things first is the point of the fact that the why reason I keep going back to the recruiting. There's going to be more talent on campus. They've recruited better. Period. Flat out, just flat out, there is more talent on that campus than there's been in years. Okay, you don't. The whole point of that is you don't have to have a Baker Mayfield to be really good. Look at Alabama. You don't have to. You and not that Oklahoma's Alabama. I'm not saying that at all, but. There comes a point where if you're good enough talent-wise, you don't need somebody to be a Baker Mayfield every week. So, 
Yes, Kyler Murray may not be Baker Mayfield, but he also may not have to be for them to be a top five team. Secondly, the other thing I get to is, like I told Colin last week, okay, I totally agree. I'm not sure I'd have had him in the top five either. I really don't. But when you go look at that list, who behind them do you put over yeah. them? Yeah. I, I mean, I just yeah. can't. I, I, You know, I can't. There's nobody I look at on that entire that entire group and say, man, they're definitely flat out better than Oklahoma. So, again, and again, it's not even so much about Oklahoma that he picked on here. It's just like you couldn't find anybody else to make this statement about in the anywhere. And again, if you're staying in the top 25, you're pretty much staying in the country because you're not worried about the team who's ranked 40th that should be ranked 60th. Like nobody right. gives a crap about that, and you're not really going to find much to separate them anyway. His note that he put out in defense of it. I mean, like that, I understand that, what he was trying to say, but he should have. I don't know. I just think he well, the they were most overrated in the country part. Really kind of right. Me. That was everything was right. I mean it. It was justifiable criticisms of the team. I mean, the defense is is suspect until they prove otherwise. You know, they've – I mean, they're a Big 12 defense right now. Are they a top 60 defense this year? I mean, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think maybe. they yeah, have the, we'll they have the talent know. to do it. Yeah, we'll find out. But I, no, I agree. No. Maybe overrated was – the most overrated was a bit too strong, I think is what everything everybody's coming to. If Oklahoma finishes – in the top 15 somewhere at the end of the year, I think people are. that's about where people, a lot of people would put him. So that makes him far from being the most overrated, I guess, is basically what I'm getting at. I just think he's – I just I don't know. Again, I get back to there's nobody else you could have looked to to find there. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, again, it's August and we're looking for storylines, and that was something that was said, so I thought it was interesting. See, I probably would have um, put Texas as the most overrated See, team. and I, I, that was in the back of my mind too, but I didn't want to be the one to say And this that. is – you know, obviously it's looking like an OU Texas show right now, but – you know what? Once again, what has Texas done to justify a top mm-hmm. top twenty five ranking outside of being Texas? And like we said all last last on last week's episode, they definitely could. You could see them feasibly being in the top twenty five by the end of the season. Oh, and I expect they're they taking will a be. step forward. But that said, what have they done to this point? And the answer is nothing. Uh, they haven't done it near enough to be in the top twenty five. And, and like we talked about last week, also, uh, you know. How's OSU in the top 25? I don't know that they're returning yeah, enough to be back in the top 25. And again, I think that goes back to the familiarity thing of it. The coaches know what they, they're familiar with every year. They've, mm-hmm. seen, they've seen them be there. They know they've lost some stuff. Well, but being that they're Oklahoma State and Gundy's still there, we feel like they're top 25 team. Well, let's be honest. When it comes to the preseason polls. The coaches' poll is stupid anyway. Well, like, I don't even – I hate discussing it at all. Well, I'm saying, you know, in general – you could probably pick out about so probably 16, 17 schools where you could pretty much mark them in every year yes. in the top twenty-five, regardless mm-hmm. of what they did the year before, what's going on. Like the, the name carries a lot of weight in that preseason poll. It doesn't mean that it's right or accurate, but it's just like that seems to happen every year. You know, Michigan, what have they done? But you know, they're going to be way up there every time. Like I mean, it's just it's just you know, it, it happens over and over again. So I, it, it doesn't surprise me at all half these teams are in there and probably half of them won't be in there at the end of the season. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. And again, though, getting back to the Texas side of it, a lot of those teams you're talking about, the 16, 17, a lot of them have done things to, you know, be there. Texas hasn't been good in a decade, guys. That's just, and again, that's nothing against Texas. I think they could be there by the end of the year. Probably will be a top 25 fringe team at the end of the year, but just not yet. Um, all right, moving on. The other little news and notes we had here, things that, again, I'm trying to find stuff to feel – uh, keep everybody interested this time of year. We don't know a lot. Nothing's coming out of camp yet. We had some preseason games get played on the NFL last night, and I believe a day or two before, possibly even, I, again, not closely following the NFL, especially during preseason. But I uh, found a few few Big 12 players that had some stats, so I thought I would throw that out in their debuts real quick. 
Next week, I will try to get some defensive stats. Really wasn't any defensive players out there that had done anything. So, But I did find four players that were Big 12 players that were drafted, obviously just drafted. That's that's the focus here. Uh, that did have some preseason success to some degree. Uh, starting with Baker Mayfield, came out with the Cleveland Browns. I don't know how many of you guys watched that game or saw that game. Looked pretty good, uh, you know, all things considered. He was 11 for 20. 212 yards, two touchdowns, obviously no interceptions. The big thing I thought, too, had some really big runs. I don't know if you guys saw that game, but, uh, man, he had some really key runs to bail them out in third and longs and stuff like that. So, you know, Baker doing what Baker does, it looks like. Uh, James Washington, the former Oklahoma State wide receiver, playing at Pittsburgh now. He had two catches on the day, but 44 yards total and a long of 35 yards. So he did have one good long 35-yard, and it came from Mason Rudolph. Right. Excuse me, who was next on our list? Uh, Mason Rudolph, obviously, also at Pittsburgh. He had a day, 7 for 12, threw for 101 yards, didn't have any scores, but did have a long of 35 yards again to James Washington. Uh, and then lastly, Michael Dixon, the punter from Texas. You know, some people famous for taking the, the ball off the face mask, some people for being a great punter. Depends on what side of Texas you're on. Uh, he plays for Seattle, the Seahawks, right now. He had three punts for a total of 150 yards. His long was 61 yards, and he had one down inside the 20. So, Michael Dixon being Michael Dixon, it sounds like. Yep. So, we'll keep an eye on that stuff for you this year. We'll try to we'll try to keep that updated, uh, you know, every now and then, and let you kind of guy let you guys kind of know what your your former players are doing in the NFL uh, as much as we possibly can, especially during the preseason while we have absolutely nothing going on. Uh, next thing I want to get to, we've got two things left here on the menu before we move on. <clears throat> First thing I wanted to get to, uh, I believe ESPN takes credit for this. There, I'm sure there was somebody that was involved in helping them create it. I don't know if you guys even know about this or not because I haven't heard you guys talk about it. They have a new thing called the playoff predictor. Have you guys seen this? No. Is it, does it give percentages of schools getting into the playoff? Pretty though? much, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I've it's, seen it, the results, but it, I haven't seen it. It's a formula system they've come up with, mm-hmm. another analytical tool like FPI, you know, like the other stuff they've come up with. Uh, I'd be surprised if some of you guys didn't even know it was out that are listening because it was kind of brought up briefly on College Football Live, and then unless you saw a tweet or a article about it, really not much has been said about it. I think part of that might be they kind of want to give it a test run before they really go out and start bragging about it. But Because uh, kind of like when they came up with their own QBR several years ago, uh, it was kind of under the radar, and then all of a sudden, oh, ESPN, we have our own QBR, and it's the best in the world. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if something like this comes up. Um, basically what it is, is again, it's an analytical tool involving five key factors that they have deemed most important to figuring out a playoff team. Number one, strength of record, which I, you know, I guess that's kind of like RPI in basketball to some degree. When you say it's kind of similar, uh, a lot of people have said we should use an RPI. I've even heard Nick Saban say, you know, we should kind of, um, go to strictly a power five thing or, you know, there's no crossover into some of the smaller schools. And then use like an RPI type thing to figure out who really should go to the playoff. It, it would be interesting if he would actually start practicing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be nice if he just started playing enough teams to even matter. Uh, you know, they play eight big boys and then everybody else is crap. But anyway, it does strength. They do strength the record. Uh, in parentheses, it says how much teams have accomplished. So however you want to interpret that. Next is FPI. Uh, I've explained FPI on the show before. I don't have a long time to get into it here. But if you're not familiar with FPI, go look it up. It's a very popular. Uh, analytical tool people are using now. I love it. I think it does some. Really, it's done a really good job of predicting almost at like a 75% clip at least three of the four playoff teams every year. Uh, number of losses. 
Incorporated, it says incorporated in parentheses, it says incorporated into SOR, so strength of record, but the community places even more emphasis on losses. So the community, the community, the committee places, they say the community places more on losses, meaning that a loss can tear you down more in the community's eyes than it does here. Here, they evaluate the loss, but it doesn't kill you as bad as it would. You know, we've talked about this for years, going back to the BCS. It's terrible to lose in November because you mm-hmm. just don't have enough time to come back up. Well, that, you know, kind of that thing. Uh, apparently, this doesn't penalize you as much. Uh, next is this conference champions. Uh, you got to win a conference championship. It factors that in. I, get, I don't know if it's a set of points or what. It breaks it on down here in the article, and I'll tell you where to go find the article. But conference championships, and then next – Independent status. So teams like Notre Dame says can't be a conference champion, but all else being equal, it might get more credit than a team that didn't win its conference championship because Notre Dame plays such a tough schedule, it seems like, year in and year out. So they feel like if they did – basically, if they could give them like a faux conference title, like, you know, they went 11-1, and that would have been good enough to win this league, this league, and this league. You know, they factored that in a certain amount of points. Excuse me, sorry, I'm struggling here. Uh, despite the committee, okay, it says also after that, it says despite the committee claiming it wants the four best teams, uh, you know, so they, they kind of factor that in. I guess they factor that in maybe most deserving over most and instead of four best in, in those terms there, which is always the classic argument of the playoff. <clears throat> anyway, it moves on. Just to give you a few ideas here. And, again, you, uh, you want to go read this article. It's on ESPN.com. It's on their college football season, uh, on their college football site. Uh, you know, some of the keywords it says something like football playoff predictor, which likes Clemson better than Alabama. If you search something like that, you should be able to pull it up. Again, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, it's cold killing me. Uh, the uh, some of the teams that give the best odds here, Clemson, that gives them a 67% chance to make the playoff, with a 24% chance, so almost a one in four chance to make the title or to win the title. Championship is the other one. Uh, so it gives you a playoff percentage, how much percentage they think you got at making the playoff, and then how much you got shot you got once you're there at winning the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, obviously, is Alabama. 47% playoff, which I thought was kind of a big drop from Clemson. Uh, 14% title. So, you know, that, that's that's kind of a big, uh, bigger difference there. Personally, I still think Alabama's better than Clemson, but that's just me. Uh, we won't go through all of them, but just scanning through some of the other ones. Uh, we'll go ahead and do the next one just because of where they are. Georgia, obviously that was a, a classic one last year, an important team. Only 1% drop below Bama, 46% playoff, 13% championship, which I thought was you know pretty close considering what that I – don't, I still don't think people quite grasp what that team lost in playmakers. Um, jumping on down to the first Big 12 team. First Big 12 team is Oklahoma, which would be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th in line. Uh, so 25, 24% chance to make the playoffs. So basically a one in four chance to make the playoff only a 5% chance to win the title. So that tells you how quickly this thing tapers off. When you get down to, let's see here, basically, okay. Michigan, when you get down to Michigan, which would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So 12th, 12th team in the country in the, in the way this order is right. We got it in them. You're basically getting down to 1% chance to win a title. Only seven, only eight percent chance to even make the playoff. Mm-hmm. So you start getting down there, it gets pretty ugly. Pretty that's that's your first team really with single digits. So it quickly tapers off. Basically, this thing, if you're not in this top ten, you got basically no shot in its opinion. So just just another analytical stat. Um, I personally like analytics. I I would like to. I don't know about necessarily have a dedicated segment to it every show, but I would like to get into some of it more. Uh, throughout the season, we'll see if we can't tie some of it together and see, 
you know, this plus this gives us the same answer, but this over here gives us something completely different. You know, I'd like to start getting into some of that, and we'll talk about some of that coming up. Uh, last thing, last but not least, we promised every show, before we get to Kindle here, we promised every show we will give you the Big 12 uh, current recruiting rankings for the 2019 classes. I don't know if you guys saw this this week. Kansas got even worse. And, and the people who listen to the show are going to know what we're talking about. They're 141 this week, guys. That's bad. Uh, yeah, we're going to start at the bottom. There are 141 in the country. Um, you know, again, I, I said last week 137 was inexcusable. I I didn't think it was, I, in my opinion. And I don't care if it's August. I don't care if it's March. I don't care if it's December. 141 in the country as a Power 5 team is inexcusable. And can't look, guys. Some people say Kansas can't be any good at football. I don't buy that. And a lot of people say they can't recruit at football. I don't buy that either. They're not that far from Texas where there's a ton of talent. There's no reason they can't dip into Texas and bring kids up there. Two states. It's not that far away. Um, they're not fret, you know, they're not terribly far from Ohio and some of those other I mean, there's there's some really good recruiting hotbeds and you have to be a national program recruiting now. They have to be. Even in Kansas has to be. They've got to start doing that. Um, but again, just to kind of put this into perspective, I didn't do this last week, but I won't do it this week. I want you guys to listen to some of the teams that are ahead, and I say ahead. This isn't behind or around. This is ahead of the Kansas Jayhawks. We're going to start at number 126, okay? So 141 is where Kansas is. I, and this is just to put this in perspective. I'm trying not to beat up Kansas, but I want people to understand how bad this is right now. Charlotte at 126, the 49ers. Next, you have Tennessee Martin, Georgia Southern. University of Central Arkansas, Illinois State, Furman, Furman, freaking Furman, Yukon at 132, Montana State. You have, dang it, I hit the wrong button. You have, one second, you have uh, Indiana State, again, made famous by Larry Bird, you know, the Sycamores. Other than that, I would have no clue who Indiana State is. This would be the first time I'd ever seen them if it hadn't been for Larry Bird. Delaware. At 135, Southern Illinois, Howard, Brown, Wofford, UC Davis. These are the schools that are ahead. And, yes, Brown, Brown, like that Brown University. Um, those are the schools that are ahead of freaking Kansas, guys. Um, look, I, I don't know what they do in the field this year. That aside, does he keep his job doing this? I, I don't think – I mean, no. No. That's kind of how I feel about it. Well, I, I hate to defend him here, but the average in the Kansas class will lift them up when they get one more commitment. It will bump them up pretty good. I mean, yep. they have two commitments in the class. I understand even just being in the ballpark of these schools is bad. But this is August. Yeah. Um, December is when the big signing date is. We're not that far away. You're talking about four or five months here. No, yeah, they've, they've got to start landing they got to get busy. If, yeah. they, if they, you know, I think it's conceivable to say this class doesn't get out of the 90s. Because they've got to go 50 spots just to do that. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's conceivable to say this class, and, and it's really not that far. I should say they don't even get out of the hundreds. But I, I think it's conceivable to say this class does not do any better than the 90s. Well, does, he, does he keep his job doing that? I, I mean, I, David Long, you know, he's going to – I said David Long is going to, um, you know, review. And when you bring in a new AD, they review everything. You know, mm -hmm. they want to dig into your closet, your dirty clothes, into the corners, get the cobwebs. They want to look at everything. Jeff Long is going to look into this. And, again, I, he's not. he may not, you know, some older school guys may not look at it as a ranking in terms of that. But all it takes, guys, is to look at the programs around them. Even if you take the numbers away, just look at the programs around them. 
And that tells you what level you're recruiting with, in a sense. I just don't see how he keeps his job doing this. I really don't. I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, it's, it's – uh, you, 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 ha- you have to – at least be above the one double A teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I know that sounds crazy to say, but I mean, it, it, it's gotta be, but which I mean, they should be by the end of the thing. Don't get me wrong, but it's just, uh, the, things have got to start changing there. And I, I don't know. And it's not going to until you get talent. I mean, even, I don't care if you bring in freaking Nick Saban, he's not doing much with the 140th second ranked class in the country. He just ain't. Like, what is their average again? If you look at the two that they have, let me go back. Well, one doesn't even register. Remember, one doesn't because he's not even a t- he's not a three star. He's a, like a no star or a two star. I'm trying to pull back up here. Real one fast. second here. One. Well, the, while you're doing that, the reason I'm, I'm saying that is I I looked at last year's class. Last year's they finished 61st in the country. They averaged 83.69. That was with 22 commits. Okay, they they've adjusted uh, their thing. I guess or give them another star or something because it now says two two commits, both three stars. Now their average is 82.1. So among those two, but again, how how you still got to get these kids? How big of a class do they take? I don't even know. Yeah, well, you would they, think you could take twenty five, but is he going to be able to get the twenty five? Yeah, that's exactly. the question for somebody like Kansas. It ain't you know for somebody like an A and M. Sure, you can go out and sign twenty three stars. You can go get whoever you want, but in a case like Kansas, can he get twenty five kids to come to Kansas right now that are actual Big Twelve players? Yeah, I mean it com- it comes down to what we were talking about last week. Just the uncertainty in the coaching position, and to some, the certainty in the coaching position is going to make it really hard for him to get mm-hmm. commitments because exactly. uh, there's the negative know, recruiting will be real there. Right and now. there's a lot of people that are convinced that it doesn't matter what he does this season, he's, he's gone. gone. Yep, exactly. And and again, uh, Long is known for bringing in coaches and doing it pretty quickly. So I, you know, he's again, he doesn't have the best track record hiring. But I think in a place like Kansas, and given the current situation, he almost feel like he's almost got to feel like he's playing with house money. It's almost like he can't do any worse, right? You know, so why not? You know, why not get your guy in there now? Because here's the thing too, like we talked about, he's the one who has to sell that two hundred or that three hundred and twenty-five million dollar renovation. He's the one who has to go collect that money and put his name out there. Well, he can do that when he says, look, I went and got my guy. He's going to bring this program back. It's a lot harder for him to do that with the guy who's been there the last three years who hasn't done anything. Right. And so, nothing against Beatty. Love the guy. Think he's a quality coach. But it's hard to do that when he has no legs to stand on with that situation. Yeah. And this is where I think it'll be interesting if we could bring our guy that we, we brought on for Kansas to you know get his opinion because he's a lifelong Kansas fan. So mm-hmm. he's going to be able to go back across the – you know, the kind of the coaching train wreck they've had since Mangino and, and talk about that. So uh, I think that's something interesting to see from the perspective of a Kansas fan. What, what do they really expect from beauty? Does he think that he's gone? So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. Definitely. We'll talk to them and kind of get a pulse on that. Um, real quickly, before we get to Kendall's segment, you got Oklahoma at number four, an average of 92.2. So that gives you an idea. Next you have Texas still at 10 like they were last week, just below 92 with an average of 91.68. So that kind of gives you an idea of the gap there. Uh, Next you have Iowa State at 29. I believe they fell about three or four spots, but that's fine. They didn't really get anybody this week, so that's part of that. Still great position for Iowa State, top 30 class in the country. If you can finish in that area, man, that's that's big time for them. Just to give you an idea, they're right below Wisconsin, uh, Virginia Tech, who's recruiting better for Virginia Tech. And just above of Florida. And then also two spots above TCU, who is number 31 in the country. Uh, next you have Baylor, number 37. How many commitments does TCU have? TCU has – let me click this up one time. TCU has 
15 to the 16. They got one four star. See, that's the thing. They only get that one four star right now. That and seems like it's a little bit low for TCU. Yeah, yeah. and and um, even if they were to finish 31, it wouldn't be terrible. It would be doable for them. Um, I would say that's kind of right now where they have been, though, in recent years. I would say that's kind of lower end of expectation for this class. Uh-huh. Um you know, I'd be curious to see in their situation how much of this is, is linemen and, and defensive linemen yeah. where they traditionally get three stars because they've brought in so many big playmakers in the last two classes for them on paper. Again, we yeah. don't know yet. A lot of them have to develop. But they've brought in so many big playmakers in the last two classes that were higher four-star caliber guys. I'm curious if this is kind of more of a filler class for them. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Baylor, 37 in the country with uh, 15 commits also. Now, to give you an idea, since they're one behind, they've got an 86 average, 86.2. TCU has a 86.5, so not a whole lot of difference there in those two. TCU having the one more commit uh, than Baylor does. So that gives you an idea. Again, Rule, you know, anything he can do right now is great. The fact that he's got got him up there, and let's be honest, they're probably going to finish even higher than that before it's all said and done, or at least in that 35 range. You know, that's amazing for them. Next, you got two back-to-back. You got Texas Tech at 44 and Oklahoma State at 45. Oklahoma State was 15 also, just like uh, Baylor. Texas Tech has 16, just like TCU, 84.69. So they're basically two whole points behind uh, TCU by comparison, who's up there at 31 like we talked about or whatever it was. Next, just a few spots below them, you got West Virginia at 49 with a total of 13 recruits and an average of 85.08. So they're just hanging on to the 85 spot there. A pretty good jump between them and SMU, who's next, by the way. Uh, West Virginia has an average of 85. Just below them is SMU with an average of 82. So that's a pretty good gap there for them. Uh, And then it should be Kansas State, I believe. Kansas State. Where are you, Kansas State? Kansas State. Kansas State. Good God, guys. They've free-fallen in the last – since we've been doing this. Since we've been doing this segment for a month now, they've free-fallen. They started at like 60-something. They are now 95. Uh, Again, only six in the class. Still plenty of room there to, to build for them, and and again, a lot of them are probably going to be JUCOs mm-hmm. late late in the in the, the session there. But keep an eye on that. They do have an average of eighty four point eight. So we just talked about you know what was that? Uh, That's an attack in OSU range. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, yeah, they're they're right there in that range. If they can continue that average, they've got six three stars. So we'll see. We'll see what they can do. And again, we you know we already we already beat on Kansas. They're down there at one forty seven or one forty two <laughs> or whatever it is. So. Anyway, that's that's your weekly update on where the recruits are and everything in the 2019. We have to use 247 because they go below 100, whereas Rivals stays at 100 and doesn't go below that. So I can't include Kansas if we don't. Uh, if Kansas ever decides to get their butts up out of the cellar, then we we can go back and forth and use both again. So anyway, with that said, uh, we will now be introducing a new segment we like to call Arrested Intelligence. Uh, thank you to a fan. I'm going to one of these days go back and figure out who that was that, that, that said that uh, for giving us a name for this segment. This will be kind of, a, oh, I would say probably what, a once a month segment maybe, something like that. Depends, yeah. on, depends yeah. on how much stupidity there is out there. Uh, if it's any more than once a month, we might be in trouble. But, uh, yeah, it's going to kind of be about a once a month segment or so. We'll see. Um Kendall is going to go and look at some of these stu- stupid things players do. Um, we're looking for arrests, uh, just getting into trouble, period. You know, maybe what got kicked you off campus, you know, all that stuff. Anything from, 
you know, got caught with a sack of weed all the way to, say, like a Joe Mixon type incident. You know, those, those full, the full gamut there of every, anything in between that. So, um, you know, he's going to go back and look at something. And, it, and it's not a negative thing. It's a fun thing we want to have fun with. We want you guys to enjoy. He's going to go up and dig some of the best stories uh, and talk to us, you know, about what some of these idiot kids were thinking when they were doing it. You know, like uh, what was going through a, a Baker Mayfield's head when he gets sacked in, in Arkansas, you know, stuff like that. So we're going to look into some of these stories, and hopefully you guys enjoy it. Here that is. All right. First off, uh, in the Big 12, uh, we have uh, for University of Kansas, Easy Halon, uh, Halani uh, is a defensive tackle. He was arrested uh, for DUI on uh, July 22nd. Mm-hmm. So that one's pretty, pretty cut and dry pretty one. Standard. Yeah. Then uh, – Moving over to the University of Texas in the Big 12, uh, De- DeMarco Boyd. This was a really interesting story. Um, it sounds like him and his brother Chris Boyd, who is a great uh, mm-hmm. secondary player, and along with uh, safety B.J. Foster were all in a car, and uh, they were kind of in an accident where a car hit them, which which in turn pushed them into another car. And uh, I guess uh, DeMarco decided he would – he jumped out of the car – and the gentleman that hit him in the back uh, in, in a Jeep, he, he got out of the car, and Boyd ran up to him and punched him in the head, I think, uh, eight times. <laughs> yeah, eight Lord. About eight, this, this from a witness that said that uh, he punched him in the face approximately eight times. Uh, then the witness said that Boyd stopped and said, why don't you learn how to drive, and then punched him a couple more times. <laughs> so uh, this was on So July. in other words, yes. this would be me if we had a car wreck in the same circumstance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so uh, right now he's suspended indefinitely from the team until further – Further uh, information comes out about that. Okay. Um, then um, for our repeat uh, offender of the month here, this is actually kind of a more serious story, but uh, incoming freshman Justin Watkins out of the, for the University of Florida, uh, he's been charged with uh, false imprisonment, kidnapping, domestic battery, by strangulation. Uh, yeah, so he, he apparently uh, had his girlfriend in his dorm room and then uh, I guess kind of got violent with her and wouldn't let her leave. And then luckily the girl had some mace with her and shot him in the face Thank and God. was able to get away. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, he was just arrested right before that in May. So this was uh, in July. But in May, he was arrested back in his hometown for uh, being on the campus of another high school um, that wasn't his. And apparently he got an altercation with a girl, uh, grabbed her phone, threw it down, broke it on campus. Then he followed her to the parking lot, kicked her car, uh, tried to try to uh, let the air out of her tires. So I mean, he's sounds like he's got uh, yeah. I, s- some issues. I here. have to ask: Does this surprise anybody that he went to Florida? <laughs> no, well, here's another question: oh, Florida's going to Florida. If if Urban Meyer was still there, would he still be on the team? Yeah. Well, yeah, he probably would be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they probably would have covered it up. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, for our, our dumb uh, dumb criminal of the month, uh, they're calling this kid the baby driver. <laughs> yeah, I know. He, he's a uh, he is a um, linebacker for LSU, Tyler Taylor, and uh, he was actually arrested on – I mean, uh, this, the, the arrest was for allegedly – for a crime done in uh, January of this year mm-hmm. um, for robbing a, a – um, let's see here. Make sure I get this correct. He, he robbed a pawn shop with some friends in Cummings, Georgia, and uh, they finally – Went through a long process of, of um, you know, investigation, and how they pinned it on him was he had his cell phone with him, and it pinged. They did the little thing, and it pinged. He was in the store. <laughs> so that so just just public service announcement: if you are going to do a crime, don't take your cell phone with you. Dear yeah, God. yeah. So uh, yeah, that's stupid. But right the, there. the the really interesting thing is they just found out this week that he had been arrested. They didn't know until this week. <coughs> so then now they they kicked him off the team. What this school week. is he with? LSU. LSU. Yeah. So it was. It all happened back in his hometown in Georgia, but they just now 
uh, found out about it. Okay. And for our final one, this is a this is a good one here. This is probably the best arrest of the summer. Uh, Brady, uh, Brady Reef is a defensive tackle for the University of Iowa. And I guess he was out on a Friday night and having a great time and uh, decided he was it was too uh, too drunk to, to get around. So he, uh, I, I don't know if he called an Uber or what, but he, what happened was, it says right here that in, in the actual police report, that uh, Reef uh, decided that he needed to ride home. So he went up to a University of Iowa police cruiser. So let me, you know, make sure I understand. He's at the University of Iowa. He goes up to a University of Iowa police cruiser. Probably a yellow and black car. Right. Try, try, <laughs> tries to open the passenger door and realizes there's someone in there. So then he takes a step back and goes to get in the back seat of the car. <laughs> and so the police get out of the car and they ask him, uh, what are you doing? And he said he needs a ride home. And, he's, and they said that uh, he thought that they were the Uber and he was needing a ride home. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So they... they uh-huh. Of course, his breathalyzer test came back at point two oh four. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, he was toasted pretty good. Yeah, but I thought it was crazy that I'm sure he's seen the University of Iowa police car many times on campus. But he, he, he thought he, it was a cab. He thought it was an Uber, so he was trying to get in. Hey, kudos to him doing the right thing and not driving. Man. Yeah, I mean, I will give him credit for that. But I mean, I was just thinking. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure you've seen that car before. You know, it's a police car. I don't think I've ever been so drunk I didn't realize that was a police car. That that's one he'll never live down. No, yeah. no, I, I think. It, People are I don't think Iowa State it. fans will ever let him live no, that down. No, no. So if you're Iowa State fans, yeah, go ahead and, and razz him about this. What but, was his name again? Uh, his name is uh, Brady Reef. He's he's like I said, a defensive tackle oh, for. Assuming uh, he's still on campus, they haven't kicked him off for no. Now. Okay, it it, it kind of sounds like the, the whole idea is they're probably going to suspend him for that first game mm-hmm. uh, as punishment. I'm sure he'll probably have to do a bunch of running and extra stuff. But uh, yeah, that yeah, one's not too bad. Most of this stuff's innocent. The idiot from Florida needs to be behind bars. Yeah, well, it's kind of sounds like it's probably going that direction. But yeah, it's. Uh, it's kind of a little segment. I just got to pull ones up that are interesting or, you know, and I'm definitely going to do the Big 12 ones every month just so people in the Big 12 kind of know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But then I just randomly pick out because there was a total of, I think, 17 arrests, uh, college arrests during the month of July. But again, wow. that, that, it was still a pretty mostly quiet offseason, too, though. And again, like, I, you know, I was talking about earlier. I think at some point you will hear about these when you start having all these kids you find out are suspended like the day of a game. Some of this dirt's going to start coming out we didn't know about, but these are the ones that made it out. And, again, like I was saying to you guys, if it's only Big 12, we're, ha- we're in for a long year. Uh, if you can start doing this segment and it's not the Big 12 players, we're going to be for a long year. So hopefully hopefully most of this stuff is outside the conference. Uh, but we do think, I don't know, some of these stories are funny. We want you guys to know what's going on with them. So, Anyway, that will be back, I don't know, probably in a few weeks around the time the season starts. Um, we're going to get into this Texas Tech interview now real quick with Jarrett Johnson joining us. Um, real quickly, I think we have, what, OU, OSU, and Kansas. KU left, right? right? Okay, so we have three shows left to do for our season previews. This is this is one of the four we had left now. We'll have three after this. So uh, if you're a fan of any of those schools, hang in there. We'll we'll be doing your show here, pretty sh- here shortly in the next coming weeks. So... Uh, hopefully you guys stick around for the show. Uh, anybody got anything else? Well, it's probably Kansas next week, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, because we were going to do OU OSU last year. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. So, Kansas will be next week. Uh, hopefully you guys stick around for this Texas Tech show. So, anybody got anything else before we move on to Jarrett? No, give it a listen. All right. If that's it, here we go. Let's get into this interview. All right, guys, we're going to get into the Red Raiders here real quick. And uh, joining us tonight, we have the pleasure of being joined by Jarrett Johnson. Hey, fellas, how y'all doing? Thanks for having me. Good, man. You doing all right tonight? 
I'm great. I'm great. It's almost football season, man. Yeah, I know. It's it, uh, man. I, we were talking about that on the show the other day. I don't know how it gets for you. It may be every year it gets faster, but this year we've been doing this. What this is our third season, I guess now. Yeah. And I don't know what's different about this year. The last couple of years we were sitting there banging our heads against the wall by August, <laughs> and now I'm like I'm running out of time. Yeah, uh, there was like no off season this year. It mm-hmm. seems like. Really, well, I mean, everybody I've talked with has said the same thing. And I think, too, the fact that it was, you know, I guess up until the Urban Meyer thing, it was it really was the most boring offseason I can remember in a long time. <laughs> there was nothing really good happening other than, you know, some stories out of Gainesville where you got players fighting, you know, like ex-gangsters or whatever with frying pans and crap. But, uh, you know, other than that, there really hasn't been a whole lot of story. I, and, you know, some people want to keep the locks on it and won't let that out, and it'll be one of them deals where we find out when so-and-so was suspended you know, for whatever game. Well, that that goes back to July where he did right. this stupid thing, you know. So, you know, especially where we live, a lot of the schools up here around where we're at, that happens a lot. So, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think the, I think the, you know, when you get into those, those situations, those summers where everything is so crazy, uh, you know, like the Joe Mixon thing and stuff like that, it just, it, I think it consumes so much of your time and everything. You just, you get you're stuck in it. You're like, God, is this ever going to pass? I, I think that's why it just kind of flew by this year. Nothing really going on. Yeah. We looked out here in Lubbock, uh, those of us who cover Texas Tech, because Tech got 11 commits in June. It's mm-hmm. something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. So that kept us busy. You know what I mean? And yeah. just uh, the new recruiting calendar this year with people, uh, juniors being able to go on visits, official visits, really kind of changed the game, I think, for everybody. Yeah, and I, I think, too, that and, and I've noticed that's happened a lot with a lot of the schools uh, in the Big 12, especially, you know, you had the dead period, too, coming in July uh, or whenever it was, and, you know, you still had a, a lot of recruits, so or a lot of commits. So, yeah, I can definitely see that. Um Kind of getting into Texas Tech here. I got a few state of the program questions I wanted to ask you because uh, you're you're in there and you're you got your finger on the pulse and everything. And again, we're just fans trying to to help everybody figure out what's going on in this world. But um, you know, I asked the guys just their opinion uh, last week on the show. I think, I think it was last week. One of the questions I asked, and I'm curious to get your answer. Um, you know, when you go back and look at Tech, you know, as far as a whole overall, if you want to say the modern era, post World War II, whatever. You know, there's a lot of those seven and five, eight and four type years. So that's kind of where I'm pulling from. I don't want anybody to take offense to it. It's an honest question. Um, you know, you have the Mike Leach. You know, obviously there's other years where you guys, you know, you had some some spells where you guys were really good and stuff. But you know, most recently the Mike Leach era. Um, I'm curious, is this fan base real kind of come back down to earth in terms of? what their expectations are for this program every year or what their realistic expectations, I guess, should be every year? Or, in a, in a sense, is the ghost of Mike Leach still kind of haunting this program to where they feel like – and not that Tech couldn't eventually be a 10-win program all the time, but, you know, from what we know them traditionally, have they kind of come back down to, to realizing they're, you know, a 7 and 8, maybe 9 some years win program in this conference? Or, you know, are, are the expectations just always eternally going to be what he did here? You know, I don't think fans should ever uh... – I don't know, expect their lot in life, I guess is what you're asking me, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I, uh, that's no fun to be that way, right? If you're no, fans, definitely I not. Think, uh, I think you bring up a good point, though, a valid point. In Tech's history, I think they've been more of an underdog to say, I guess, UT or OU, those mm-hmm. kind of uh, more of the helmet schools, of course, they're underdogs. I mean, I, I'm from Dallas, uh, you know, I grew up a Cowboy fan. They're never underdogs, even when they're not very good. You know what I mean? Uh, from the perception. But Texas Tech, on the other hand, even when they've been good, like 2008, um, when, you know, of course, when they upset UT, 
Uh, they were, you know, number two in the country, all that. I mean, they were still perceived as underdogs. Um, and historically, like you mentioned, perhaps rightfully so. I will say this. Um, they had a long stretch of being good. Not great, but good. Uh-huh. And something that fans could respect. I think they went to a bowl game for something or had a winning season for like 20 years or something uh, respectable like that. What we've seen this last uh, three or four years, for example, the last two seasons, Texas Tech has had back-to-back losing seasons for the first time in three decades. That's not acceptable to Texas Tech fans, nor should it be. Yeah. No, definitely. I, I, I think it's fair. And like I said, I'm not necessarily saying – I want Tech fans to understand. I'm not necessarily saying that's what you should be expecting. I'm just right. curious trying to get a, a, a condition for what the program is and kind of where – I mean, I ask that to a lot of programs, you know, with an Oklahoma or a Texas or somebody like that. We kind of know what the fans' base expectations should be. But, you know, I kind of like to know where everybody else is at this point. Um, I would say I would say they're below their expectations. They are. They're below their expectations. But I think most fan, most fans are level-headed enough to know i mean this hasn't been like a powerhouse team i'm not i don't think fans expect 10 wins a season i think they expect winning football football they could be proud of with every maybe four or five years where you shock some some people around at least the region i think that's the expectation definitely and i think that's definitely fair too um next one i had you know i try to stay away from because the obvious crap that people get tired of talking about. So I don't necessarily want to go down the road of how does Cliff Kingsbury save his job. But on the other side of that, I do want to to, to ask you, do you feel like he did a, did some things last season? Was there enough? Because we discussed how there was change, you know, they were finally running the ball and it was obvious. And, of course, they had some running backs that, that he finally could do that with, especially in short yardage situations, uh, you know, the playing defense and things that we've been looking for ever since Gibbs got there, you know, or were they going to be able to do that? Um, do you feel like he did it? He's done enough at least to where, cause the, I guess the narrative is he's kind of saved his job a little bit. Has he bought himself sometime you feel like, or do you feel like the pressure is just as hot as it has been? Uh, pressure is just as hot as it has been. There's no doubt. Um, I think you ask most tech fans. Matter of fact, when I, when I'm you know, here in Lubbock and a tech fan stops me on the street and says, Hey, what's going on with Kingsbury? How, you know, why is he still there? They're, they want me, I find myself defending him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like before I realize what I'm doing, like, uh, you know, uh, but no, I mean, like I said, the, uh, back-to-back losing seasons, um, and for the first time in three decades, um, they, they, they won eight games his first year here. Um, and that's the last time they won a bowl game in 2013. Since then, it hadn't been great. I mean, they won seven games in 2015 with a very good offense and a horrible defense. Um, David Gibbs came in and totally rebuilt the defense, which led to, you could argue, two of the worst defenses back-to-back in <laughs> college football history. Yeah. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I mean, it was – I saw it up close. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. I, it was – you have Mahomes, Pat Mahomes putting up 50 points every week and losing – two-thirds of those games that was difficult to stomach for everybody who who was around this program um but but uh you know and i've been as critical as anybody honestly in the market you know how these college towns are uh, local media is a little hesitant to criticize you know the hometown coach but i mean i try and call it like i see it and i am seeing some positive trends as far as with this program some reasons for legitimate optimism but that being said, Kingsbury himself told me uh, in the exclusive I had with him in June that, look, if things don't go the way that we want it to here, that things don't go the way we expect it to here this season, 
we know we're not going to be here the following season. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time he's ever admitted that to me. I've ever heard him say it on the record. So that was interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. And, that, I mean, it, it's refreshing. I, I don't know. I like the honesty uh, when we get that from coaches. Even going back to, you know, media days when Lincoln Riley was able to admit, look, our defense hasn't been what it needs to be. Uh, you know, the players and the talent hasn't been what it needs to be. And, you know, like we talked about on the show, that's not something I felt like you ever would have got from Bob Stoops. So, you know, I, I, I love it when the coaches actually tell us what's on their mind and that they're not robots. They actually see and feel things and they understand what's going on. Right. I bet Cliff Kingsbury would like to have Lincoln Riley's problems. With that <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. That's yeah, no, that's definitely fair. That's definitely fair. Uh, one last real quick kind of program question I have out of curiosity before we kind of move into the team this year. Um, and, and honestly, this is an honest question. I don't have any expectations or insinuations or anything like that. I'm honestly curious what you guys think. Um, you know, I know for us, especially, you know, I say us, we live in Oklahoma, so we're kind of right in the heart of Big 12 country, uh, right in the center of it. And Tech has always kind of felt to us uh, like they're out there. You know, they're part of the conference, but they're kind of out there in Lubbock by themselves and they're on their own, even though they're still part of the conference. And I I know that's not fair to them. It's just a lot of the the way it feels around here to us. Um, Who do you think, especially since the split in 2010 and all that, or 2011, whatever year that was, who are Tech's natural rivals? Who is the team that they really get up for the most, in your opinion, to play? Tech loves to hate everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they hate everybody. You know, honestly, uh, I think a lot of times Tech fans um, get a ba- uh, bad rap. Like I said, I'm from uh, you know the Metroplex, and you know, I know what uh, I guess mean-spirited people are. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, in a bigger city like that, and West Texans out here really, genuinely are great people. But, yeah, they do get fired up for the Red Raiders. And uh, when it comes to the Big 12, they love to hate everyone. If I had to pick someone, I would say the older generation still hates A&M. <laughs> they don't play anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still spit when the, the name comes up. Um, UT is definitely up there. But the younger generation, the, the guys, the people who have graduated recently or are still in school, boy, they hate the Horn Frogs. They really? hate hmm. TCU. Oh, I wouldn't have guessed because that. The well, Tech's biggest alumni base is from the Metroplex. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of their friends they went to school with, or some of their friends they went to school with went to TCU, and just the smack talk. You know, I mean, TCU looks down on Tech, Tech looks down on TCU. There's just, it's, I mean, the they call them the Purple Aggies. two schools i'm real curious about real quickly because we are so close to them i know oklahoma state fans can't stand tech fans and i and (laughs) and oklahoma fans kind of had that too um was the oklahoma thing at all intriguing to tech or is that any kind of rivalry there or is it just the baker mayfield situation because you know if you take out texas for the most part tech has kind of been the thorn in oklahoma's side the last 20 years as far as you know beating them the most and having the most important upsets against them so is there anything there with Oklahoma or Oklahoma State in your opinion well I think Oklahoma State for sure um I uh, yes most tech fans they call them like uh you know Xerox U stuff like that they feel like <laughs> Oklahoma State took a lot of their traditions they have a lot of the guns up stuff you know I mean I or pistols firing or whatever you know what I mean mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities I think honestly and I've said this before even on our message board that what Gundy has done at Oklahoma State is what Texas Tech is capable of and mm-hmm. what I think most fans think their program should be at. Yep. Um, 
So, and honestly, you want to talk about being out there. I mean, I've been to Stillwater now. Not a whole lot. I mean, Lubbock is a thriving metropolis compared to Stillwater now. So Yeah, there's not a whole lot out there. No. Uh, but Oklahoma, yeah, I mean, well, they're a helmet school, you know? Um, so, I hear what you're saying about Tech having a lot of success. I think definitely, especially during the Leach years, I mean, it seemed like whoever played at home was going to win. Uh-huh. It was like every other year, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so for sure. And I think, I think even when Tuberville was there, I believe that they, yeah, they upset, upset him. him. Oh yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, but here recently, I think Kingsbury's is and five. So that's kind of been put to bed there until they, I think they're, I think he's and 10 against the Oklahoma schools. So it's kind of hard to have a rivalry if you don't ever beat the other rival. Yeah. So I think that's, that's I think they'd like to rekindle it. I know people are tired, especially Oklahoma state. I think it's been, I think it's been since 2008 or 2009 since Tech has beaten uh, the Cowboys. So, uh, yeah, Tech fans definitely want to beat uh, Oklahoma State for sure. Okay, cool. So, so kind of rolling into this team uh, this year, um, typically when you look at – you think of Texas Tech, you think of quarterback play. And, and for going back for now for God knows how many years, it seems like they've always got the, the next guy in the waiting ready to go. And, and so can you kind of tell about this year's quarterback group? Uh, you know, is McLean Carter the guy going forward? Or do you see someone else kind of uh, making some noise uh, throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And I, it, that's really the question. And what's weird about this year's team is, I mean, somebody asked me the other day if I thought they had the best linebacker linebacker core in the Big 12. And I, I you can make an argument. Yeah, I'm you not can, ready you, to say that. Yeah, you can, but make, you can the make the argument. argument. And when was the last time you could even say that without someone cracking up? You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> um, not in our lifetime, probably. Right, and I think the defensive line is actually better. I think mean, if you're around the program and you see them practice and all that, the defensive line may be as good or better. That's how and, and deeper than I could ever remember since just before Mike Leach. This defensive line's deeper, so mm-hmm. this is a weird team. And then you have concerns about quarterback and and receiver, which is what mm-hmm. you associate with Texas Tech. So I, it's a weird off season. And uh, getting back to your question, uh, quarterbacks. McLean Carter is a guy I respect. I remember seeing him uh, take that loaded Gilmer squad that went 16 and 0, and I think 2014 win a state championship there at Jerry World uh, here in Texas. And uh, he he's a guy who's worked his way into a Power Five quarterback, um, but he does have some physical limitations, I think, with his arm. And I even brought that up to Kingsbury, and uh, he said his arm was adequate, which. Kingsbury, if you don't know him, he's one of the most positive people you'll ever be. He just keeps things positive. So Uh for him to say his arm's adequate is is telling. Um, So I I think while he's the only quarterback on the roster with a start for Texas Tech, which was last year in Austin, uh, I think most fans are hoping – this is kind of weird to say, but hoping that he's not the guy. Let's put it that way. Just because of those physical limitations. Now, he's 6'3", he's 230 pounds – when he was a senior in high school, I think he was uh, maybe 6'2 and 180. So, like I said, this guy's really worked his way into being kind of a power five type of guy. He reminds me of Skylar Howard for West Virginia, oh, a guy yeah. where you just was like, you know, I, he had an obvious ceiling. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. Uh, and I covered him when I was back at the Four Star Telegram back in the day when he was at uh, Boswell High School. And I was just, I was always shocked he made it to the Big 12. <laughs> he was a good <laughs> athlete, a good guy, but I was like, Wow, that's kind of where McLean Carter is. But you know, the the team respects him. Um, I know that's that's no doubt. Um, he yeah, great work ethic, all those intangibles. You know, he checked the box. Then there's Jed Duffy. You know, he's Mr. Texas football. He led Mansfield Lake Ridge to the state title game. 
Um, you know, he was an elite 11 quarterback, four-star guy, uh, ran for 1,700 yards and threw for another 2,500 his senior year. I mean, the guy is electric. His talent is obvious. And he's also been in trouble a couple times. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on there with Jet Duffy. But I think if you take the pulse of the fan base, at least, that's the guy they'd like to see win this thing because of his obvious high ceiling. And then you got the true freshman in Alan Bowman, who, uh, you know, I actually saw play Abilene Cooper here uh, last season here in West Texas. He's a very good quarterback, thrown for over 1,100 yards as a four-year starter and in the middle of the Metroplex against great competition, had a great spring when he enrolled early, and I know a lot of people really like He may be the best pure passer. He's also a true freshman. Yeah. <laughs> true freshman in the Big 12 is scary, you know what I mean, especially with the young uh, or at least inexperienced receiving course. So, I, you know, they have a scrimmage on Saturday, um, and I think they're going to start divvying up the reps or start giving the reps to more to two guys after that depending on how that, that scrimmage goes. No, no pressure there. Uh, but And then I think they're going to start making some decisions within the next week on who the guy is and roll with him for the Ole Miss game again uh, on September 1st at Energy Stadium there in Houston. But, I, you know, this is the first time in the Kingsbury era where I said, you know, this really is a legitimate quarterback competition. I'm not 100% sure who's going to win this job. Okay. One of their key losses on offense was Justin Stockton. Who do you um step? Who do you think would step up at that position this year? Yeah, they have actually a, a pretty solid. I would not say electric, but a pretty solid one-two punch in Trey King. He ran for over 600 yards, I believe, six touchdowns last year. His first year at Tech, he looks really good. And then they're getting a, really a shot in the arm from uh, Dalyon Ward. He uh, had to do some work in the in the classroom last year, so he's forced to redshirt. But as a true freshman. He ran for over 400 yards and four touchdowns. He actually had a drive in Fort Worth where I believe they gave the ball to him 10 times in a row. True freshman. Yeah, Pat Mahomes there. But uh, Gary Patterson sat back in this cloud defense. It was really the first time I remember seeing the Big 12 where you'd, you know, base three-man front, drop back a bunch of DBs, kind of like a prevent, you know. And so Kingsbury ran the ball 10 times in a row with a true freshman and got out of Fort Worth with, with, a, with a win, actually. So... You know he can do it. You know, this is a guy he would play a big-time program at Dallas Skyline. You know he can do it. Um, so you have that one-two punch. You have a uh, fifth-year senior in DeMarcus Felton. I actually just wrote a story about him. He, he's, he's averaged over five yards of carry, just hadn't gotten a, you know enough carries. But uh, he actually announced he was going to transfer and then said, hey, you know, I'm coming back when Tech brought in a new running back coach and a new offensive coordinator. They basically recruited him like they would a high school guy, got him to come back. And then they really like a couple of freshmen. I tell you what, man, I've seen them in practice, and they are way – they were underrated. Let's put it that way. Us at 24-7, rivals, always recruiting uh, rankings. We, we had them uh, very underrated. Uh, there's a guy named Tayshawn Henry out of Houston Lamar. Uh, and then Sir Roderick Thompson there in the Metroplex at Carrollton Ranch View. Uh, one is classic thunder and lightning. Tayshawn Henry's a quick guy. So Roger Thompson uh, is the big bruising kind of guy. And they both were just ridiculous, pro- ridiculously productive in high school and have looked really, really good so far in fall camp. So that was a concern. But actually, after looking at it, uh, they may actually be healthier at that position than they have been since Dre was here. Uh, he was all Big 12 running back. All right, well, staying over here on the offensive side of the ball, receivers. So 
you think tech offense, you think you obviously think all the great wide receivers that have run through there since, you know, basically the leech era and everything. Out of out, off of last year's team, you basically lost all of the guys with a lot of experience and then correct me if I'm wrong, but Quan Shorts is no longer with the team also affected yeah, this year. Gone. He got arrested twice this offseason. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so what what can we expect out of this wide receiver group going into this season? And is there anybody that we should pay attention to who's going to be the next, you know, not crapshoot anything? Jay Vasher. All right. Mark it down. He's going, he's going to be – I'll be shocked if he's not drafted in the top three rounds. And that's being conservative. Uh, he's 6'6". He's put on weight. He's over 200 pounds now, which if you saw him when he got on campus, that is a miracle. Um, <laughs> He's a guy who had offers from like SMU. I know even Chris Beard here, who obviously obviously has had a lot of success early on here, well, everywhere, but including here at Tech. He actually considered TJ Vasher playing basketball for him, too. He was that good out of Wichita Falls Rider. But this guy, y'all, man, uh, he has the like the arm span of a condor. He's amazing. Uh, some of the catches, some of the plays he made. Just I was just out there, uh, I think Tuesday or Wednesday, and he made two or three catches where it was just kind of brought the house down. You know, I, I just one-handed stabs. Now to deal with him, he's got to be consistent. He'll make those these kind of uh, remarkable catches, and then there'll be one right in the bread basket, which will let slip through his hands on third down. You know, so he's young. He's going to be uh, let's see a redshirt sophomore. So uh, he's still relatively young, but he's a guy he – I think he was either third or fourth in catches and third in, in receiving yards, but he led the team in yards per reception with 18.8 last year. Big play threat. Um, and I, everybody's going to know him in the Big 12 after next season. I don't care who's throwing him the ball. He's that good. Um, and the, I think he could be actually the key to the whole offense because he's outside – um, which typically under Kingsbury, the inside guys have really tore it up, whether it be right. Jason Morrow, Kiki, uh, you know, uh, you name it. Anybody who's played wide basically for Texas Tech, Jakeem Grant uh, has, has tore it up, you know, gone, basically gone to the NFL. Uh, but I, I think, and they're going to have good inside receivers this year, don't get me wrong, but I think if TJ can command a double team, which I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't, but if he could do it consistently, then that's going to take a lot of pressure off some of these younger guys inside. And not only that, but the running game as well, because that safety won't be able to cheat down uh, as much as they probably w- would like, because I think he's that much of a threat. Y'all I think uh, he's going to win most 50, 50 balls, even against big 12 defensive backs um, beyond him. Yeah. Another guy to watch uh, opposite on the outside is a Antoine Wesley six, four. So you got six, six on one side wow. and six, four on the other. Yeah. They got, they have some size. This year, actually, they're going to be bigger than they've been at receiver in a long time. Actually, mm-hmm. um, he had a fantastic spring, actually at Y, and then Quan got arrested. They put uh, Quan Schwartz got arrested. They put Antoine outside, uh, I believe at X, and just wanted to see what he could do, and he tore it up there. Uh, so I, I think you would have heard more about him, but he had a hip injury and missed the second half of spring. He's healthy, 100, percent and I know everybody around the program expects him to have a big year. Uh, another guy you need to, to note for sure is Seth Collins. He's a grad transfer who actually has two years of eligibility uh, who came in from Oregon State. I don't know. You may or may not have heard of him because West Coast, sometimes people go to sleep before the games are even starting <laughs> out there. But he won a game as a basically a Wildcat quarterback for Oregon State uh-huh. in their Civil War game against Oregon. Yeah. So this is a guy with real skins on the wall. And that's at that Oregon State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that's who so, that was. Yeah, that's who it is. So I, he I, he really opened my eyes in practice. I've seen. I 
guy, he just catches touchdowns. I mean, that's what he does. He's really fast and really knows how to work. He's got that quarterback savvy where he knows how to work spots in the zone. He's, he's going to have a good year. He stays healthy at why, like I said, that position that always produces under Kingsbury, he's going to be up there among the, the conference leaders and every receiving stat. So those are the three main guys I would say look out for. Uh, one last thing before we move on to the defense. Obviously, the offense is where the most you know the most questions were this year. Um, you know, we like to use I like to use S and P for analytics. I'm kind of an analytics nerd. That's one of my favorite things. Um, it's you know the the Red Raiders were fifty fifty between run and pass on standard downs. Basically, meaning if they were on schedule, you know second and six, second and four, you know third and one, third and two. As long as they were on schedule. They were basically 50-50 at the choice between run and pass, uh, and it resulted in them being 15th in the country in that s- situation in S&P rankings on rushing, believe it or not. Um, I believe it. I believe it. It's going to be even more this year. Well, the, this this offensive line, that's really the only non-question on the offense. They're, you know, you're returning back so much experience. S&P has them as one of the most experienced offensive lines in the entire country this year coming back. Uh, pretty much everybody's come back to the start of the game. Whereas a lot of teams are at least having to fill one spot, you guys pretty much are good across the board. With that experience and knowing what we've seen with the run game and the development of it in this last year, you know you are losing the playmaker like Stockton, but I think they feel pretty good about what they got coming back. Do you what? What do you expect to see? What kind of shape do you expect to see this run game take? Does it morph even more? Do you expect them to get a little more creative with it and, and use it when they need to? I'm gonna blow your mind right here. They're gonna be using a fullback. Texas Tech's going to be using a fullback and tight end. I was going to ask about that. A lot. Yeah. A lot. Which is crazy, right? I mean, Texas Tech going to use a full, utilizing a fullback, taking a receiver off the field to utilize a fullback and or, you know, H-back type. type, uh, And they have like three guys they're using. They've already designated in that spot. I mean, I've seen it, you know, Uh, without giving everything away. They're good (laughs) football players. Mm -hmm. And, uh, New offensive coordinator Kevin Johns is known for that. He's known for utilizing tight ends and producing thousand yard backs. So I tell you, Kingsbury, I know everybody knows he likes to throw the ball. I mean, come on, look where his pedigree, where he comes from, the Mike Leach tree. He was his first quarterback at Tech. You know, I mean, I saw, I saw, you know, I saw it happen there. Uh I was a student here at Tech when it happened. And uh, so, yeah, he, he wants to air it out. But at the same time, with the way these defenses are playing, right now the way they're dropping back and just trying to keep everything in, in front of of them you got to make them pay for these soft boxes you, just, you have to uh-huh. or or you're not going to be effective so that's what you're seeing now it's not just texas tech you're seeing it around the conference um with these four eye fronts with everybody keeping you know trying to free up their linebackers to run around and 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 really you are neutralize a lot of what the spread offense is trying to do you're going to see guys move to you know Everything's cyclical in football. You're going to see all these guys move into this where all of a sudden to get numbers advantages in the box, they're going to start using, utilizing fullbacks and tight ends. And that's where Texas Tech is right now. So they have – I mentioned all those running backs earlier. They're going to utilize at least four of them. I mean, because they're going to run the rock. And we already talked about with the quarterback um, being up in the air. Like, they don't know what they have. And they – they can scrimmage all they want. They can talk. We can talk about it, which we are, of course, uh, until we're blue about who the quarterback's going to be. But until they actually play a game, until they play Ole Miss on September 1st and then, you know, beyond, they don't know what they have a quarterback. You, just, you can't know. You know, I mean, some quarterbacks just are horrible practice players 
and or terrific. Pat, Patrick Mahomes is a perfect example. He was not a good practice player, but once the game came on, I mean, he was Houdini. I mean, he, uh, you know, he, he did something amazing every week. And then there were other guys. Honestly, Davis Webb was looked like a future NFL Hall of Famer in practice, and then not so much in game in most of the games. So you just don't know what you have. What they do know, they have, like you said, a good offensive line. They think it's going to be better, you know, bigger, stronger, faster this year, and they do have at least some quality running backs they know have produced in the past. So are they going to run the ball a lot? Yeah, hell yeah, they're going to run the ball a lot, <laughs> I, which is crazy. People don't believe me, but I'm telling you, you're going to see it. It's going to happen. Well, to kind of go to your point real quick, I was going to kind of back that up. The thing I took most away from media days was the one thing by Kingsbury, and I think he kind of alluded to that, where he somebody had asked him about, you know, what are they going to start doing some of these offenses – you know, guys like him to kind of combat these dime formations and the cloud coverage and stuff mm-hmm. they've been doing to spread out. And he said, you're going to start going, you'll start seeing guys get physical and go more to a fullback tight end situation to kind of battle some of that. So yeah, to kind of support, I mean, that it was a little more elaborate than that, but that, that was the focus of it. That's, that was one of the most important things I took away from that is you are going to start seeing some of these offenses kind of come back to, to center a little bit and not be quite as crazy as they have been in the past. Cause they got to do something, you know, just, yeah, well- Go ahead. Yeah, you see, I'm sorry to interrupt you, man, but to, I, I, this kind of gets me going here because I've been a believer in this. I've been saying this for years that it, it's going to start happening. You know, the spread. And you've seen with like Oklahoma. You know, they say, oh, we're the spread. We're we're throwing the ball too much. We got we got to supplement it with by pounding the rock, which I think is kind of gone along with Oklahoma coming back up and being a dominant power again. Mm-hmm. West Virginia. Um, you know, Dana Holgerson obviously is also from the Mike Leach tree, so he wants to air it out. But at the same time, he's he was one of the first ones in the league to really to add a power running element, which has helped. And then. Honestly, uh, Bryles at Baylor was really big on yes, that. I mean, their were, offense, were, their yeah. offense was, was, was we're going to run over you, mm-hmm. and then we're going to play action over the top with mm-hmm. some really basic passing, obviously. I mean, honestly, but yeah. it was very effective because you had to stop the run. So I think this has been – this isn't like just somebody woke up and said, oh, we need to start running the ball. You know, I mean, this has been in the works for, for several years, and I'm kind of excited to, to see the evolution and see how it's going to play out this year, to be honest. Now switching over to the defensive side, you know, we, we talked about it earlier in the show how this this has kind of been a, a big change on the defensive side. I mean, we basically went from was about two years ago, three years ago, whenever there was the Tech and Arizona State game, and it seemed like it was just like just the, the track meet type game. And now all of a sudden, fast forward three years, and you have three people on the defense that are selected as you know preseason All Big Twelve. Can you kind of tell us, you know, how much Gibbs has meant to this, and and how how he's kind of taking it from from a super low point to where they're at now? Yeah, I, I give him all the credit, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I really do. Um, I, I was very skeptical of what they were doing because basically anybody with kind of marginal talent but didn't fit uh, Gibbs' system or had any kind of attitude, they they ran off to the point to where they didn't I, – I didn't know how they were going to field a team full of scholarship players. And you could argue they really didn't with the results. Um, but I tell you what, he has a very unorthodox way of coaching. He has an unorthodox way of recruiting and the way he goes through evalu- evaluations, which drives a lot of people crazy. But he has nailed those evaluations. Because um, some of the recruiting numbers aren't all that pretty as far as how many – like convincing recruits in the living room, hey, come play on this defense after those results. I mean, that's a hard sell, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and then historically with Texas Tech, too. So that's that. Uh, just the guys they were able to get 
first off, are amazing. But then be, hitting on so many of them. I mean, I, I, typically for me, if you hit on one of three of your of your recruits, on, especially in the defensive front, I'm feeling pretty good about that. I mean, you know, you're talking about guys that are going to play a lot, uh, be difference makers for you. That's good. They're hitting on two thirds of the guys. And that's, I mean, that's that's huge. Uh-huh. It's all about numbers with recruiting. Um, but not only that, they're actually now keeping them on the team and developing them. They've played freshmen or or teenagers, boys, honestly, against grown men for so long, which, in my opinion, was the reason for such the poor results. As much as talent or anything or scheme, you're playing 18-year-old guys against 22-year-old guys. Mm-hmm. They're going to get their butts kicked. I mean, period. And pretty much any realm of the world you want to talk about, you know, for, for, for the most part, that's not the case anymore. Now they have seniors and juniors, not just two deep, but even three deep going into this season. I'm not saying these guys are going to be all of them are going to be all big 12 guys, but I have seen all these guys kick some butt on the football field at least once, as opposed to see like what are these? They're throwing this kid out there already. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you're eviscerated, you know. So uh, it's really a night and day difference. I'm not saying um, they're they're going to be. I'm not even. A lot of people, in my opinion, are going overboard. I think they're going to be a very good defense for the Big Twelve for the and for Texas Tech. They're going to give the Red Raiders a chance to win. I don't think they're going to be a liability. And we saw them in Austin. They went out and won that game in Texas last year. You could argue, well, they did. They saved uh-huh. Cliff Kingsbury's job. Um, what was the last time you remember Tech winning a game, you know, a Big 12 game, no less, on defense? I mean, <laughs> nothing comes to mind. I don't think that's limited yeah. to just Tech. Yeah, I mean, I, so that's that's where we're at. And I, I think the key is, is I, I ran a story – in spring of 2017, where Tech had the by far the worst attrition rate in the Big 12, it wasn't, it wasn't even close. This last year, they like flipped the script in the last year, and they had 70 overall in the whole team, 70 scholarship players, which is pretty dang good and unheard of at Texas Tech under Kingsbury uh, in the spring. Um, so they returned all these veteran guys to play um, and practice and go through the strength and conditioning program. And then getting back to David Gibbs, just himself, uh, had they had eight defensive coordinators, I believe, in seven years. Wow. He was when he was hired, he was the eighth defensive coordinator in seven years. This is his fourth year. So just that alone, forget even if he was not very good, which he is, uh, that alone, just that continuity is gonna help your team. Uh-huh. Right that's, well. that, that's it. That's that's the I mean, I could break it down and go into a lot more, but that continuity has been the key <laughs> to the defense without a doubt. Yeah, well, I see Corey over here salivating over, uh, I think, asking you about Dakota Allen and the linebackers here in a moment. But... No, I have no – that's not even close. <laughs> Go ahead. That's a boring question to me. Everybody knows about Dakota Allen. Well, I'll talk about the linebackers in general. But anyways, on um, just on defense, I guess the linebackers are probably the, the strength of the defense in your opinion. What, what can we expect out of the defensive line? I know they return a lot of guys this year. Is it another continued year with a little bit more experience on that line? Oh, without a doubt. Um, there's competition at every spot. Like I said, they've they've nailed their evaluations, and I don't know if there's a better example of that than a guy named Quentin Yance that he brought I had never heard of, and nobody else was recruiting him, junior, uh, junior college guy on the West Coast. Um, this guy, y'all, is challenging for the starting spot on strong side defensive end in his second year here. Uh, I, I haven't seen him get whipped yet. 
Hmm. Now he hadn't been. I'm not saying he's made every play or anything like that, but um, in the limited snaps he got last year in his first year in Power Five football, I mean he made some big plays. He he had a big fourth down stop against Baylor at Jerry World late last season. Um, all spring he was running with the ones because uh, Eli Howard, who is the starter, uh, suffered some injuries last year and they were kind of just being cautious with him. He's going to play though, you know he'll he'll be ready to go for the season. Um, but you have those two guys that are strong side defensive end. Both those guys, without a doubt, would have been your starter. Uh, every defense I can remember since Tech was even relevant at all. You know, I mean, since since Leach basically um, had had at least some guys who were making some All Conference teams. Defensive tackle, they are six deep when they couldn't even field two starters four years ago of that guys big. who I know can play. Yeah, I know it's crazy. That, that's big and big twelve. Uh, do what? That's big in Big 12 to have that depth on the oh, defensive line. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to have defensive tackles, man. And, uh, you know, the, the other side, you have, you have like a, a rush linebacker who was considered more of a defensive lineman but has been moved to the linebacker room. And a guy named Colin Hill who's going to start there. He was originally at Notre Dame. He went up, honestly, to Yankee land. It was like, this isn't for me. I got to get back to Texas. <laughs> and yeah, he's from the San Antonio area and was actually uh, friends with Justin Stockton. And so he ended up at Texas tech and he's had an up and down career, but really came on last year. They, uh, he started out the season. He started as a sophomore last year as a junior. He started as third on the depth chart and then worked his way up and started, I believe the last nine games and kind of had a breakthrough was uh third in tackles for loss, had six pass breakups, uh, was one of those guys who was like a half a step away from on several sacks and a lot of QB hurries. Um, he, he he actually lost a lot of weight this offseason and then put some weight back on to where he is just ripped and ready to go. I saw him in media day. I was like, who is this guy? Holy crap. Oh, it's like the last guy you want to see down a dark alley kind of, you know, like just, uh-huh. just got really cut. And he's a guy that every offensive lineman I talked to singled out. I was like, this guy's unblockable. He's added three or four moves to his repertoire and nobody can, can lay a hand on him now. Uh, and like you said before, we're talking about offensive linemen who have played have started 20 games in the, you know, uh, in the big 12. So he's a guy I expect to really break through. Colin Hill's a guy. I think when you watch Texas tech defense, you're going to be like, well, who? some people are going, who is this guy? No, he's, th- this is coming. He's, he's going to have a good season for, for the red Raiders. But then behind him, it's second. There is a guy named Tony Jones who, may be your most dynamic athlete on the entire defense. He's just, he's a guy who ran for a thousand yards as a sophomore in a Florida high school, uh, <laughs> who went through the junior college ranks, uh, and was, had a really good year last year. And, uh, you know, of course hit all his personal records in the weight room and he looks just, just raring to go. Those two guys, one, two punch at that hybrid rush position are going to be just factor players. They're going to, they're going to make big plays for the Red Raiders this year. Well, like I said, we kind of know about the linebackers, and in the interest of letting you get out of here like we told you we would pretty quickly, uh, I'm going to go ahead and move over to them. Everybody pretty much knows them by now. Um, you know, the secondary, real quickly, answer me this before I ask this question because I'm having a hard time remembering. Was it la- this last spring or the spring before where Texas Tech did that weird three-game series thing? Three-game series? What are you talking about? Like in spring game. They played like three. It was like a 
Like they did one in a stadium, like in Dallas, a stadium maybe. Oh, or... I think yeah, it was two yeah. Years ago. The last, the last two years. Okay. Actually, they, okay. Yeah. Well, that was the yes. first time I, I, I want to say it was not this last spring, but the spring before. It was the first time I ever laid eyes on Octavius Morgan. Um, yeah. Just a long guy, playmaker, went and got the ball. Um, honestly, I thought would kind of be one of the standouts on their defense last year. Um, you know, in terms of kind of backing up, you're talking about, you know, how well they've done evaluations. Those three DBs from JUCO, you know, Dorsey, Morgan, and Lane have all done really well for them. You know, you throw in Johnson and those guys, you have a really formidable secondary, and I would think probably one of the more overlooked ones in the in the Big 12, especially in terms of experience. Yeah, they are JUCO guys, but they're older, more physical guys ready to go. So can you talk about those guys a little bit, and, you know, how good you think they'll be for this defense and that you really don't hear a whole lot about them right now? I love what you're saying, man, because I think you hit the nail right on the head with Morgan. He had a great spring last year, and then the final game, which was the final scrimmage or whatever you saw the three game series was at the Jones. And like the last play of the first teamers, he fell on his shoulder and like blew up his shoulder basically. Mm-hmm. And it was never the same. It was never the same all last year Wore a brace, gutted through it, never complained, but was just, you know, a shell of himself. He's healthy now. Um, and had arguably the best spring of anybody on the defense because he was healthy. And I've talked with him about that, and uh, I expect just a great season from him. So, I mean, you could not be more on it about Morgan. Uh, Jalen Lane, very talented, but very much not on campus anymore. He oh, didn't is make he not? It. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm no. sorry. I didn't realize that. No, no, no. I mean, it's hard to keep up with all of it, man. You know? and it I, really you is know, when you have I, the whole league. <laughs> Sometimes I miss stuff. It's very hard. I, I, he, you know, he had a good year last year. At one point, he was – you could, I actually made the argument that he was your best pure cover corner, but couldn't couldn't keep it going in the classroom, man. You know how that goes sometimes. Yeah, yeah, so, it does. Yeah, and Vontae Dorsey had an, is another guy though, man. I, Tech had a problem just freaking tackling <laughs> in a couple of the years, just tackling guys. You know, what I mean, just can we just find somebody? I think Gibbs even said, can we just find a guy who could tackle a guy in the open field? Vontae <laughs> Dorsey, that's what he does. He tackles for fun, and he hits people. He's violent. He's he's one of those guys who. Is almost like a throwback. Like, you know, if he was in the NFL, not that he's dirty, but just that he's so physical that refs don't know how to how to rule him anymore because uh, he's, he's that physical. And once again, we're talking about Texas Tech being physical on defense, which may sound weird uh, or foreign for, for recent years, but that's what he is. And last year he was just kind of running around and hitting people in a different color jersey and wasn't always sure exactly what he was where he was supposed to be. That's not the case anymore. There's another guy, uh, I, I expect, like you said, the junior college guys take that junior college jump, that second-year jump. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, if he can stay healthy because he is, like I said, physical and violent, then I, I think he's going to have a quality year. I really do. Um, two quick things real quick. I'm going to let you get out of here. Uh, first, special teams, what do we need to go know about what's going well, on there with them? Well, Clay, Clayton Hatfield back. Now, of course, the kicking game last year, um, if you follow Texas Tech at all, I mean, to say they struggled – which is what's a place kicker and punter, just period, would be a just a big-time understatement. Um, depending on who you ask, just place kicker costs Tech anywhere from, you know, one to three games last year. Uh, I think they were 12 for 23 from field goals last year, hmm. and they missed extra points. They missed gimmies. Yeah, no, um, you like say 30 that. Yard, that you yeah. know, I mean, it was, it was bad. And the problem was the starter, Clayton Hatfield, the guy that was on the – uh, I think a Lou Groza award list or whatever preseason, he had a hip flexor like in the second game hmm. where he missed most of the season. He tried to come back, but, I mean, uh, as you'd imagine, your hip's kind of important <laughs> yeah. to, to, to yeah. a kicker. That's vital. So, yeah, he, he's healthy. He's a quality kicker. 
I think he will be one of your top, I'll say top half of the Big 12 kickers, if he's healthy, which he is right now. Uh, and so I think that will help a lot. Their punter is this Australian guy. He's one of my favorite guys. I mean, he literally, like, before he got to campus, he posted this video of him punting a football in the air. His buddy, th- like, tossed him a shotgun and him blowing oh, the ball. Oh, yeah, I saw the, that. You know? Yeah, I so, saw that. you know, he nicknamed Shotgun Panazolo. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, Which doesn't and, sound Australian to me at all. It sounds like Italian. Well, he's or something. an Italian. Oh, he was okay. an Italian family in Australia. Oh, okay. You know, I would so. say that definitely sounds Italian to me. Yeah, he's the, which, as you'd imagine, he's an interesting dude. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, culture. I'm sure kick, he'll kick the crap out of the ball seven out of ten times, but two or three though ones he's going to shank it left or right, and that's just that's just disturbing. You know what I mean? I think oh. I, I saw some of that in fall camp too already. Um, I, he's he has all the potential in the world. He's a really good kicker, good punter, but it just consistency. I mean, I think that's the main thing you're looking for in your special teams is mm-hmm. consistency. So I, I that's a that's a question mark. With, I think that's a reasonable question mark there. With Batson out, who's the who's the guy returning kicks this year? Yeah, Zach Austin, and I should have mentioned him when y'all brought up receivers. Um, him and Jaden High are both back there. Two of the guys back there. The freshman running back Tajon Henry, the kind of scat back. He's also in the mix. But Zach Austin's a guy, he tore his ACL, like, I think twice. Ooh. Last year it was just, like, he was just running seven on seven. Or it may have even just been, like, air, just running routes and kind of blew up his, his knee. And I was skeptical. He's where he kept saying, ah, Zach's going to come back. And, you know, I, I think he'll help us out. I was like, until I see this guy out here, I mean, two, blow your knee out twice. Uh, I'm going to be skeptical until yeah. I see you do it. Yeah, he looked scary. great. He looks great. I saw him earlier this week. I think he. I think he's going to be your punt returner. He's a six-year senior. They know they could depend on him. I think he's also going to steal a lot of snaps in uh, in the slot there because, man, he was working over tech secondary. He was the only one, the inside receivers, really doing this uh, in practice because he's just got that, you know, that savvy, man. You know, being a six-year senior, he, he knows the offense. He's been here really since Kingsbury's been here. So uh, he knows where he's supposed to be. He has some ability. And I think, I think he's going to do some good things at receiver, but also I think – him or J.D. and High, another six-year senior who came back. I think that's going to be your punt return. Okay, awesome. Uh, we'll, we'll pocket everything else until we get you back on the show real quick. Jockstrap's got his three questions, and then we'll let you get out of here in a hurry. Wait. All right, Jockstrap, lay it on me, man. What's up? <laughs> okay. Lubbock native Buddy Holly is a rock legend that has influenced the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, and many more. What's your favorite Buddy Holly song? Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot. I don't know if I if I can name a song, man. To the Weezer honest. song about Buddy Holly? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah y'all, y'all are going to give me in so much trouble with tech fans here. A lot of people hear this. Oh, man. I'm Googling Buddy Holly real quick. So. Next question. We'll come back to you. I don't really, yeah, I don't we'll really come back, We'll come back to question one. What, he's got to get out of here. Jam so. out. I can't say I jam out Buddy Holly. But he's a legend. So. Hey, Western Texas is famous for its Tex-Mex food. What's the best Tex-Mex restaurant in Lubbock? Man, that's a tough question too. There's a, there is uh, some some really good Mexican food out here. El Chico. Um, <laughs> El Chico? No, I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't sniff at El Chico. I used to eat that back in the day. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know where there is one anywhere. I haven't seen. They closed the one up here in Tulsa, so I don't have any idea. There used to be some. I'm from like, Arlington, and I, I think there's still one or two out there. But uh, uh, I'm going to say Anna's. It's really good queso. Really good cheese. Uh, enchiladas and chicken enchiladas, um, some pretty good fajitas there. Their salsa is solid. So Anna's always delivers over on Indiana Street here in the Loop here in Lubbock. 
Okay, last one is, the book Friday Night Lights was based on the Panthers in Odessa, Texas. Odessa is about 130 miles from Lubbock. Can you explain to the listeners what a Friday night is like in western Texas? Well, first off, I've never even, I think I've been to, I drove through Slodetha, as we call it, uh, once, maybe. (laughs) I don't go hang out in Odessa, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I don't don't know how to compare that to to Lubbock, but I tell you what, I'm going to go ahead and jump on uh, a Friday night in Lubbock. Well, I'm a family man now, but I did go to school out here, and one of the coolest things about partying in West Texas uh, for me was that, look, if there was an emergency, um, I had to get home. It was a five-hour drive to the Metroplex. I could do it. But I didn't have mommy and daddy checking in on me all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there was a level of freedom. There was a level of being kind of a rebel of going out to Texas Tech and not staying, uh, going on the beaten path. And my dad went to TCU, played football at TCU. You know? So my family, there's kind of an assumption there. And so when I went to Tech, it was I definitely had that kind of rebel <laughs> feeling. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and another thing is, is, instead of going home, people at Tech or in Lubbock, they stay in town. So it's not like the you know a bunch of people are going home every weekend. Yeah. You know they're staying and they're partying. And honestly, the house party scene is is where it's at out here. It's 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 a lot of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, we really appreciate this, man. This was great. Uh, you oh, know, great. We, it's been. I can't tell you how great this was for us with Tech finally. Oh, good. Uh, we really enjoyed it. Um, oh, you got something? Oh, else yeah. You're asking? Yeah, Jerry. I was just going to tell you. Uh, let's tell the listeners, you know, where they can find you at. Uh, oh, yeah. All your handles and everything, so they can come find some of your your stuff. I guess I forgot to ask you. Yeah, you need to let them know. I'm sorry, I'm a terrible host. You need to let them know where you work for, where they can find you, all your tw- your uh, Twitter handles and all that. Great. Yeah, I'm the publisher of InsideTheRiverRaiders.com. It's a 24/7 site. Um, great information there. Honestly, I think we're as aggressive as anybody in the market for both athletic coverage and athletics coverage and recruiting coverage of course mm-hmm. um i also am co-host of the rock and pregame show on rock 101.1 fm um every I'm, I'm on the air four hours every game day both before and then the rock and post game i uh, was the call-in show uh call, fans call in either really angry or really happy so it's <laughs> so it's interesting we're actually have a new location it's gonna be a, at a bar right across the street you know basically in the shadow of the jones so we're, we might even have chicken wire up you know what i mean because it's gonna get crazy uh be up there on the stage but uh i'm really you can find me all three of those places and my twitter handle is at johnson jarrett um that that station you just listed uh do they have an yes. app yeah, I think it's on the the TuneIn app. Okay, because Rock, Rock 101.1 FM, uh, Lubbock on on uh, on the TuneIn app. One thing I'm gonna try to make a goal of this year. I haven't. Uh, I don't. I decided not to do the season tickets anymore, and a large part of that was because when I was always at the game, I missed everything else that was going on in the league, and it made it real hard to come back and do a show every weekend. So yeah, um, I'm going to try. I would like to start hearing some of those you know, pre-game and radio shows and kind of get a feel for what's going on in those parts of the country and state and all that. So uh, I'm going to yeah, see if I, I, see if I can't. Maybe I'll have you on. Maybe hey. I'll have you on. Talk, you, talk some Oklahoma. Like, if, if you're y'all in Oklahoma country, maybe before OU or Oklahoma State game, have you on. Well, most of our, li- our listeners know, uh, but uh, I'm an Oklahoma fan, lifelong. These three are – well, two of them are OSU alumni and one of them are future OSU alumni. So, <laughs> yeah, you could uh, – anytime you want, we could uh, – we try not to reveal that too much, but most of our listeners know that, so – um yeah anytime you want to have us on you just get a hold of us man you know how to get a hold of us we'll, we'll gladly come on and do it definitely all right hey jockstrap peggy uh, sue 
Peggy Sue. I can't no, believe I didn't got think you. Got Peggy it. Sue. That's Peggy. a good one. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank All right. you so hey, much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Jared. Yeah, thank, thank you. Man. Appreciate thank it. All right. Thanks again to Jarrett Johnson uh, from Inside Red Raiders. Is it InsideRedRaiders.com? I always get those words back. Inside the Red Raiders. In, com. Inside the Red Raiders. com. So, uh, thank you so much, Jan, for joining us. That was great. Uh, it was good to get some informative tech information. Again, it feels like they're so far away. Even when we talk to certain people throughout the year, I don't know. It just they kind of feel like they're on their own corner, and we we would love for them to come out and join us a little more uh, and let us know what's going on in that part of the state. It, it would probably um, be a good start for us not to pick them last well, in the yeah. uh, hey, preseason I, ranking hey, like last hey, year. We had good facts to back <laughs> those up, and, and and it wasn't everybody picked them last. It was the average that picked them last. Well, also you look at like. Who's seen that defense last year playing the way they oh, played? Oh God, yeah, no. And you know, I mean, like there, there was I, things that happened, and, and run the football. We we talked about it for ten years. That like, changed run everything. The football, run the game football. changer, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and everything, and, and that's what was so funny. You bring that up. I was sitting there thinking that during the interview. My God, how far we've come with the perception of this team. That in one calendar year, we've gone from a team that. I mean, even though we picked them last, a lot of people still picked them seven or eight. They weren't yeah. like we were alone in that ballpark. No. Okay. And and then now we've gotten to the point where if this team still had Patrick Mahomes, boys, you're looking at a, a, a league contender. I mean, they've, oh, got, yeah. they've got enough defense. And, you know, Grant, they still got to figure some things out. But one thing we talked about when we first signed on two or three years ago on this show, as I dropped my phone, um, you know, one thing we first talked about two or three years ago when we did this was – this team always seems to have like that group of wide receivers. It doesn't matter, you know, they've always got those guys. They're always going to put that stuff together. You know, they're always going to get that going. Now, granted, they've got some tall guys and they've added some stuff to the mix, but they've always got that three or four guys at wide receiver that are the same, productive guys that catch a ton of balls. You know, it's when they throw in that crab tree or somebody like that mm-hmm. that they're special. So, you know, I, I, I'm telling you, man, but the way this this team in you know defensively let's let's not get carried away they're they're not going to be a top 10 defense but they're going to be really good defense defensively to the point that i feel like this is easily a top 40 defense in the country if they do like you know oh, on on their you know when they if they hit their aspirations it, well you know and I, I will say this you know i've i've Cliff Kingsbury, i've been up and down on him trying to figure him out i i, I will give him credit for one thing to to go change your philosophy and, and see problems that you have, bring in guys to do things differently, and then to also look look at like last year and say, okay, I, I got, I, I have to change something. Mm-hmm. That, that's hard. That's hard to do for someone who grew up in the system, believes in the system, played in it, it was successful right off the start with it, and then to go, you know, make all those changes, you know, late later on. That's a tough thing to do. So I, yeah. I give him credit for for actually doing that. Because I, I honestly, I didn't think he was capable of doing it, to be no, honest. No, definitely. And, well, and we've seen so many coaches try that and fail. And, you know, that was one thing that a lot of people always gave credit to Bob Stoops for when he kind of reinvented himself again there, you know, in, what was it, 2010 or 2012, whenever they kind of came back around and started doing things well again. And then with Lincoln Riley going back to what they used to do. That's not easy to admit that you weren't wrong or that you weren't doing things and you needed to change staff people. Mac Brown tried it, and it still didn't work. Right. You know, he tried several. He tried changing some people and bringing people in and and doing some things differently. And and other than a, you know, what was it? I think it was 2012 or whatever year they had a nine win season. Other than that, I mean, towards the end of his tenure, it was it was downhill. So, um, it's not easy to do. You have to do that, and you have to, you know, first thing you have to do is admit, man, what we've been doing ain't working. And you've got to step back and say, okay, I've clearly got to do something different. And then either you got to change philosophies or bring in different people. And, and you know, hats off to him. It's definitely, especially for a coach that young. And 
Again, don't take this the wrong way, Pitt Tech fans, but as arrogant as somebody like Cliff Kingsbury seems to be, uh, you know, and co- football coaches are arrogant, period. I mean, you, it, got, you it, have to be. Yeah, to you be, have to, to be, be really yeah. good. At the, just exactly. About, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, you you got to be that way. So, you know, to, to have that kind of arrogance like he seems to have, uh, piss on everybody, I'll do it my way. And the fact that he probably thinks, and, and I can't blame him for this, that Mike Leach's way is God and that's the Bible and that's the way we're going to do it, you know, to kind of step back from that is big for him. Um, so, you know, I, I, I take my hats off to him. Anything you guys took from the interview you thought was interesting that you didn't know, do know now? Well, I, and you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to catch up there, but, uh, the, the one thing I found interesting is just they're going to have a fullback. I mean, do they even have, I mean, have they recruited? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, I guess Does they're probably sort of tied in. The in. I, I said they're going to find either maybe, uh, you know, a small tackle or a tight end or something, turn them into that fullback. Mm-hmm. So it's, have they recruited you know, for that? It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I, they, I'm assuming they haven't, but I just find, uh, I, when when was the last time you think you've ever seen a other than like say a fourth and one on the goal line type thing, situation? It would have been Spike. When, it would have been Spike Dykes, or you know, it, it would have been back then. It would have been you know, you're talking late nineties. It would have been Kingsbury's freshman year. Yeah, exactly. Kingsbury's freshman year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would have been the last time that they would have lined up, and even the I formation or anything like that. It would have had to have been that long ago. Yeah, the article I was reading said. His redshirt freshman year, the quarterback that year, and I forget his name, threw the ball like 200 times, and the running back ran the ball 305 times. Kingsbury's sophomore year, he threw the ball 585 times, and the running back ran the ball 185 times. Yeah, it would have been Spike. It would have had to have been. I mean, that's that's how long. And you're talking 20 years ago? Pretty pretty much 20 years ago. So, yeah, it's been that long. Uh, Anything else? Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway was him coming out and saying that Kingsbury's still in the hot seat. I know – yeah, I, know, I thought that was interesting. That mm-hmm. may not seem like a, a hot take by any means, but I really thought that he potentially had done enough last year to kind of take some of the pressure off of him, not necessarily taking it all away from him. Mm-hmm. But I, I really like where Tech's going, man. I mean, yeah, I, I thought, I thought, and I'll agree with you. That surprised me too for him to say it that bluntly because I thought the way I had kind of, and again, that's part of us being on the outside looking in versus somebody like him. Right. Um, I, I kind of thought that. Not that he could go, you know, four and eight and survive, but I kind of thought he could have, if you know, if they scrounged together a decent season, barely made a bowl game. I thought he had shown enough that they, okay, we'll we'll, we'll give him a little bit more of a cushion. I thought he bought him a list, at least a little room to breathe. But it sounds like that's not the case, right? At least in his in his viewpoint. One one more takeaway, I you know I didn't see the the rivalry question you asked. I didn't see that with TCU. I didn't either. I did that's not a, see that. That shocked me. Yeah, and again, that's I mean we learn something <laughs> all the time. So that's. I mean, it makes sense though if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Just with the large alumni base there in the Metroplex, I mean, TCU's kind of the hot new thing to the Big Twelve. So I could definitely see that. Mm-hmm. And and again, I just kind of I know on our side of it, especially y'all being the Oklahoma State fan base, but. I know just me being around it so much, it really feels like Oklahoma State hates them, and I kind of thought it was reciprocated. And, again, I laugh at what he said because you guys think the same thing about, you know, when he said Xerox you. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I've always found myself asking you guys that and laughing, like, who came up with this crap first, you know, and, and who really lays claim to it. Uh, you guys have so many similarities to your mascot, to the horse riding out, to, you know, there, there's just so many things there that really are one in the other. And this, I mean, other than the fact their mascot looks like a cartoon character, versus y'all's is, well, I don't know. Based on an actual person. Yeah. Other than that, it's it's a lot of similarities when you sit back and look at it. So I, I would um, say the, the the Xerox U stuff, that's pretty one-sided, though. That's pretty much coming from tech. I don't see a lot of OSU people talking about that. It's mostly just defending the accusations against them. No, and that's fine. I just I feel like you guys kind of I, – I feel that from y'all's side, too, that mm-hmm. you see there's a lot of similarities and, like, we let we own this, no, we own this. Well, I, so. I've always thought tech, you know, tech, 
in Texas is like OSU is in Oklahoma. Oh, definitely. definitely. So they're, they're pretty much almost sister schools to, to um, an extent. And again, like he said, I feel like you could, and I think they may have thought that when they got Cliff Kingsbury, you could see a lot of the same things happen for a Texas well, We've Tech talked UFC. about that before yeah. off the air. Yeah, they, they are I, – I, the biggest – I think some people don't see it because in Texas you also have A&M, you also have TCU, you also have – whereas in Oklahoma you have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Right. So I don't think people see it as much. But in terms of you have that power, a helmet school as he likes to call them mm-hmm. in Texas – and you do kind of have that stepbrother that some people refer to it as out there. You know, again, out there, out west, uh, there is a lot of similarities there, a lot of, in size and, and everything else. So Yeah. Well, and just my, one of my final takes is, is uh, you know, just kind of looking at this team, what they kind of finished last year, this is the first time in probably since we started the podcast that I felt like Tech was – actually going the other direction. Like, I, yeah. I, feel, I feel like the last mm-hmm. two or three, you know. feels like they've been dwindling down around a toilet. Yeah, yeah. Just, it just kind of feels like they're, been, they're just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, hovering around. But, like, this, this – the different things that are going on there with the defense. You know, I mean, when when have you ever said, okay, Texas, all these people on offense, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but they're, they're going to – That's not a problem. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, it's not a problem. Like, mm-hmm. so, I mean – you they're, don't they're need the quarterback strides. to be Superman. That's different. Right. And so, I mean, like I said, I think it's the first time I've ever, doing this podcast anyways, that I felt like, oh, Tech's actually, there's, their arrow's pointing the other direction now. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's it's a positive for them. Kind of feel for them in a way that, again, it, if they had Patrick Mahomes, man, I, I think the, the Big 12 championship would be the limit for the, the sky. For the, you know, that would be their goal for this team, I think, if they had a Patrick Mahomes. Because I, I can't tell you how many times we saw that defense – kill the offense and the offense kill the defense over those games where you know they weren't playing well off each other and i would like to see that happen now but uh, my, my question to me is that too is did the offense hurt their defense then too as well as like you know when you're passing that many times mm-hmm. and three and outs and things and you're well, putting that defense right back on like now they're running the ball so there's a little bit more balance there and i think the defense is also getting a little more rest and not as many snaps you know as pass either yeah but also in turn if you're not having to play catch up constantly and answer a touchdown constantly yep, that's what that's, i mean yep, so it'd be, it'd be it'd be interesting to see how, how that works um both definitely one thing we've learned over the years both have to work off each other mm-hmm. you, it's part of playing team football one has to help the other one out when your defense is getting you short fields and and you know it's only and you're taking time and scoring and all that i mean it just helps each other so well it's like uh, you said last week uh, on last week's episode too i think Nobody is going to win the Big 12 title without establishing some type of a run game. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And you're starting to see some of these teams, like we were talking about, running back, getting back into the run game. So, well, just like he talked about when you know he he pointed at Oklahoma, like we did in that show too. You know how they eventually kind of got heavy run again. Had to. Uh, part of it was again quarterback play, but I cannot tell you how soft that that those Landry Jones teams were at Oklahoma that just could not punch the ball. I was watching a highlight the other night, the Nebraska Big Twelve Championship game with that OU team. They had to throw the ball in between the twenties. They couldn't move the ball, or once they got inside the twenty, they couldn't move the ball on the ground. They get up close and they'd have to throw the ball three or four times. I right. mean, it just those teams were so soft, and it became an epidemic throughout the whole league. Uh, again, it was during kind of that transition, so a lot of people weren't taking note of it. But until this league made a commitment to run the ball again with those good Baylor teams, good OU teams, on into now, it just you weren't winning the league. It wasn't happening. So anyway. Good to see them guys down there at Tech doing that again. Uh, any final thoughts or anything else, any news or notes we need to get to before we get out of here? No, I thought of. Uh, follow all our team accounts. Yes. They should be more active going forward. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, we introduced those fellows uh, yeah. on Twitter. You can go find that tweet. I'll try to retweet it out again here pretty soon. Uh, they, oh, uh, well, we'll get to that later. Um, all right. Thank you guys uh, for listening. Thank you, Tech fans, for listening. Hope you stick around. If you get a chance, listen to some of our other team previews. Uh, if this is your first time joining us. 
you know, it's kind of our – we're just kind of here trying to get everybody together in the league and let everybody know what's going on with the teams. So if you get a chance, go listen to those other previews. We'd really appreciate it. And follow our tech Twitter account. Yeah, and follow our tech Twitter account. It would be nice <laughs> to build that up finally. So, all right, guys, if that's it, then uh, we'll see everybody next time. Everybody say bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. See you guys.